Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, to today's Men of Now podcast, where we have assembled a very special divorce panel. Now, why this show topic? As most of you know, most men that find this type of information usually, unfortunately, come here after experiencing some sort of trauma. At least in my case, that started off with a divorce, as with every other member on this panel. So so what we'll do real quick, we'll go through, we'll introduce our stories, then we'll talk about some divorce statistics, why it might be a good proposition to maybe forego the whole marriage topic in general, how to prevent these types of things from happening to you if you do choose to go down that route. And then we'll just keep it open for a free flowing discussion. Guys, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave them in the chat uh, below whatever channel you're watching this on. We're syndicated across a couple channels of the members here. And then also, if you want to join the live discussion, there is a StreamYard link, which is pinned to the top of your chat. Just click on that. It'll kick you backstage. I will let you on up and then we shall be off to the races. So in my divorce story, for those who are familiar with me, I'm Gringo Guides. My name is Jaron Scott. I've lived in Mexico on and off over the last 20 years. Literally just have someone ping me right now. How, what's your legal status in Mexico? I'm like, oh, that's usually something chicks ask in the US, but I'm legal in Mexico too. So that is how my divorce story started. It actually started a little happier. I was in California. I had a small fintech company with a buddy of mine. We were doing really well on the West Coast and decided, well, why don't we expand to the East Coast? So I met a beautiful little Colombian girl in Miami, Florida. And I remember I was walking on the beach, came across her, did try to do some day games. She was reading a book in Spanish that I really like called La Niebla de Miguel Unamuno. It's a Spanish Peninsula author. And it really introduces like the question of God. And it's it's a cool story where the protagonist talks to the author and says, well, you can't kill me because I have free will. And it's just a really interesting book. So I was talking to her about that. I'm kind of a dork at heart. Got her laughing, got her whatever, got her information, didn't really think anything of it. Well, serendipitously, a couple of days later, I was flying back to San Diego from Miami and I ran into her at the airport and I was like, oh, okay, what's this going on? And not only was she on the same flight with me, but she was sitting right next to me. So of course, guys, any of you that are game aware, you always play that, oh, well, it's destiny. It was meant to be. And especially because of the topic of the book, it introduced a lot of those religious type concepts like free will or uh, do we have our defined destiny or is it in our own hands? Those kind of topics. So we nerded out about that on the plane. About halfway through the first leg to Houston, the armrest was up. She was laying on my shoulder. I was like, all right, I was digging this girl. Now, now I got her. It's it's fate. It's meant to be. And I was still a little blue-pilled at that time, although I was very well game aware in my early 20s. I lived in Mexico before. I played baseball down here. I was quite popular at school. I had a big house and a ton of parties. So uh, I didn't really have any issues with the ladies, but I didn't really develop game because when you're in that sort of context, you don't really have to. That later came back to bite me. So we were getting off the first leg of the plane on Houston. <clears throat> I had a layover from Houston to San Diego at that point and asked her, hey, you're going to San Diego with me. Figured, you know, just and I've done this on airplanes before for guys who are familiar with my content. To her, hey, we'll just get off at the end and we'll just kind of keep the date going. So per- planes are perfect for Insta dates. Turns out she was staying in Houston. No big deal. Had her contact info, went back to San Diego, texted back and forth for a few weeks. Then eventually I just flew out to San Diego with me. I was doing really well business wise. So we were going back and forth a few months. I have family in Houston. She had family in Houston. That's why she was there. I was opening the office in Miami. I was based in San Diego. So we're just flying those spirit cheap flight legs right back and forth for a while. And eventually thought it was a good idea. Bring out to California with me. I was really vibing this chick, really digging her. And, and eventually she stayed in San Diego with me. And unfortunately the business took a turn. Some critical errors. One of the investors was going through a divorce, was dating kind of like a Russian her, uh, so to speak. And he ended up having an addiction problem. So these are all red flags for a business. We had some affiliates on board that were doing some shady stuff. And eventually it got to the point where I realized 
this is not salvageable. So I sent her back to Houston for 90 days, told her, hey, let me weather out this storm. Let me tie everything up here. And then you can either come back to San Diego, I'll get a new job, or we'll go to Houston. So there's one day I was actually on the phone, had two job offers, and I was going back with her like, hey, do we want to live in Houston or in California? Decided, okay, well, I've done the California thing. I'll go to Houston. And at one point previous to that, she had brought up the, hey, well, I'm not here quite legally. And what a lot of legal immigrants do in the US is they come in on the tourist visa legally, and then they just overstay that visa. Now you can go back to your home country and do like a K-class visa where you sponsor the spouse, eventual spouse, bring him to the US, you have to get married 90 days. Or the quicker process is you just marry her on the expired tourist visa, do a change of status. And then within a couple months, she gets her papers. So I moved to Houston, sold all my stuff in California, went that route. Well, it turns out her behavior started to change very quickly in those 90 days she was in Houston without me. Little things like, I don't need no man. Or we were at the gun range and I was telling her, hey, have you ever shot a gun before? No. Okay. Well, here's the basic tenets of gun safety. I don't need no one to tell me what to do. Uh, yeah, you do. Before before I put a firearm in your fucking hand, yes, you do. We are going to do this. So something was already off. When we did the wedding, we just did the civil wedding. I told her I wasn't ready for a marriage. Told her that, hey, coming down the line uh, a year from now, if we're good, then we can do the religious marriage, which is the important one in Hispanic culture. Did the civil wedding, and we were walking out of the courthouse. She threw my hand down, just kind of like, oh, that was glad that was over with. Okay. Sure enough, the green card comes. She vacates the house. She tells me, well, I don't know if I'm really feeling it, or I don't feel safe with you anymore. I don't know what's going on. And then for me, being blue pill, started going to therapy. It was a me problem, not a we problem. Went to therapy, realized she wasn't really involved in the process. And I suspected she was seeing someone. I had an idea of who this person was at that point too. Fast forward, I was going to therapy, really trying to make the marriage work. Bought into that fantasy I created in my head. And then eventually started thinking it's not going to work. And thank God, one of her cousins, Colombian by blood, Texas born and raised. So more culturally American kind of like I am, didn't really relate with this Colombian culture too much. He invited me out to beers one day, real good guy. He told me, hey, you know what? You're, you're a good dude. I'm a good dude. This is really going to hurt me and my family, but I can't stand what they're doing. They've done this before, but he's like, bro, she's not with you. She never was. She has a boyfriend. It is a guy you suspected. You need to get out of this fast because there's other plays for you. So thank God that there are people like this guy on this planet. Uh, eventually, I was going to the gym really hard because I was really pissed off at that point. One of my buddies, he was the son of a very prominent Texas politician at the time. And uh, we went to his dad's ranch and I asked him, hey, what, what do I do with this? I said, find an attorney that is an asshole, is aggressive, and that wins. And then in Texas, that does immigration and family law. Did that, spent a couple thousand dollars. Thank God at that time, Trump was just getting elected. So the play was to make her think she was going to get deported. Saved us a ton of money, time and paperwork. Kind of put some pressure on her. Again, my buddy's dad was helping out. Had the constable going by her house, knocking on the door, making her think that she was in trouble with immigration. So she eventually decided to just kind of terminate the marriage with me all on my terms, no fault divorce. And then the idea for her was she'd leave the country as if she never ever stayed her visa. I turned in the divorce papers after she had left the country. Then she came back and ran the scam on someone else. So that was my story in a nutshell that kicked off my red pill transformation. And now looking back, I can't believe it even happened because my life is so fantastic in the dating aspect, but I'm glad it happened because it forced me to go through this type of content, through this type of process, deal with the pain, shed my old self, reinvent my new self, and then put my best foot forward. So that's my spiel, guys. I'll go ahead and just kick it around the horn. James, if you're ready, feel free to share your story. I know I told you guys backstage three to five minutes, but I did do the intro, so I was trying to keep it short. Uh, there's a lot more there, guys. If you have any questions, if you're in a green card marriage type situation or suspect you might be, they're actually very common in the US. When I called my attorney, the first question was Russian or Colombian. So if you have a beautiful little Colombian girl in the US or a little Russian girl and you think, oh, she's the one, uh, call a divorce and immigration attorney first. 
book an hour of his time. I was going to say, and, or her get a male attorney, book an hour of his time. And uh, just, just, just ask him how hypothetically this may play out and how it normally plays out, because it is a big thing. That is a big scam in the immigrant community. I've mentioned on my channel, I've had girls down here. I've dated, Hey, I'm going to move to Canada. They sucker girls on only fans doing shit two months earlier. And then all of a sudden within 90 days in Canada, she's marrying some, some sucker. So they, they do know how to game you foreigners. Like I said, a girl's pinging me right now. Do you have Mexican legal status? I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. We're not playing that game. So uh, I see James is on mute. Nomi, do you want to go next? We'll go around the horn the other way. It's okay. I can go. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So uh, basically uh, I married a woman in um, uh, out, outside of Canada. Let's, let's say the least because it's an ongoing, <clears throat> ongoing uh, case that's going on. So uh, Bentony did what I was supposed to do. Um, and basically there were holes, not only in my mindset, but holes in my uh, trajectory. And uh, through, through the years, uh, money was basically drying up. And that's when it started, the end started to go. Um, it, it's, a, it's a slow build and then it's a total drop off. And uh, still uh, just in the process of the case. So I don't want to say too much uh, incriminating, but that, that's in a nutshell what it is. And uh, I know it's not three minutes, <laughs> but that, uh, that's, that's all I got for now. James, you're coming in a little choppy on my end. I don't know if anyone else was hearing that, but um, if that sums up your brief experience, and we can keep going around. Yep. David, you're up. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so I met met my girlfriend uh, just when she was graduating from college. Uh, we got together in a relationship together about three years, uh, and then we got married. The marriage lasted about six years or so. Um, and I would say that uh, I don't necessarily consider myself blue-pilled back then, but I definitely wasn't red-pilled. And um, I didn't really set the frame of the relationship very well at the beginning. Um, and the fact of the matter is she was kind of a lazy person, which is a really bad character trait to have in a relationship. Um, whenever there would be any problems, she would always kind of dig her heels in and, you know, wait it out. And then I would just give up that sort of thing, you know, but basically we were like roommates for most of the marriage and most of the relationship. Um, when there was problems developing, um, and it had something to do with it was kind of an emotional affair sort of situation where she was uh, involved with this guy she used to have feelings for. And it was like texting all day back and forth, that kind of thing. And I was trying to talk to her about it and challenge her on it. And she basically like threatened me and like dug her heels in really hard, you know, and pushed back. And I sort of backed off from it at the time and just kind of saw it play out. And I was never okay with it. But she's kind of gaslighting me a little bit, saying I should go to therapy you know, as if it was my problem, not her problem. So it's like the attitude was not, we're in this together. It was kind of like, you know, I'm okay. What's wrong with you? And so I started to take a good hard look at like the personality of this person I had married. And I just came to realize over time that she was just a really shitty person. Like she just had a bunch of really bad character traits. And every time she had a chance to do the right thing and take a step in the right direction, she always went the wrong way. Right. So it went that way for about a year or so, and I basically just up and left her. Uh, it was a very sudden thing. 
you know, I literally kind of walked out on the marriage uh, because I had had enough, but we didn't have any arguments, any fights. It was just a complete split. Well, I, I hired a lawyer. Uh, we were able to get it done with just one lawyer, not adversarially because she didn't really want to fight it. But to be honest, that meant that I basically gave in to the whole support thing. So, you know, I lost half my assets. I lost a lot of money uh, in it. She wasn't working while I was like the earner in the family. So, you know, she's able to pretend she's a housewife. You know, she was never a housewife. She didn't cook. She didn't do anything around the house. She was she was lazy. Um, so, you know, I had to pay support for a couple of years, but fortunately we didn't have any kids. So beyond that, it was just a two year or so commitment. And then I was home free. Um, so in essence, I kind of paid a ransom to get out of the marriage, uh, without going through all the back and forth of lawyers fighting, sniping each other, everything like that. That was a great emotional benefit to me, but it kind of cost a lot really. Um, so really in the end, the decision to get married to this person without properly vetting her for marriage was a big mistake I made, you know, and, uh, not a mistake I would ever make again. Uh, so it, it was a lesson bought with a lot of, <laughs> a lot of my money. It's kind of like that thing when they ask, why is a divorce so expensive? Because it's worth it, which it really is in the end when you have your peace, your sanctity and your, your freedom back. And you realize, as you mentioned, you got out kind of scot-free. Could, could have been worse. Hey, guys, we have a good friend of ours, Bentley, joining the panel. Bentley is an admin in the Men of Now group as well. And it looks like I know Kevin has something spicy prepared statistics wise. So instead of going around the horn, we'll do like the Z pattern or the Z for you canadians up there so bentley you're up uh <clears throat> all right sorry for being late guys uh bit of traffic having fun here last minute stuff on the day uh so i didn't really catch your story mine is um i got married at oh uh, I, I i was smart looked at statistics and and realized that uh what was it, like 60 or 70 percent of divorces uh for people who get married when they're under the age of 30 or 27 it was something at the time so i was 31 I think it was 31 when I got married, something like that. I waited a little bit later in life, but um, that really didn't matter. Uh, it it, uh, it spiraled out of control and and completely went to shit. Um, so for anybody who's, uh, if you're considering doing this, I'm not sure exactly what our, our perspective on this is, but if you're considering going down this path, um, make sure that you get very good, competent legal advice because I thought I had had that and turned out I didn't. Um, so in my case, you know, we talked to somebody briefly, we talked to an attorney briefly. Uh, and at the time our net worths were fairly close. There was about $10,000 roughly net worth difference between the two of us. Um, my income was about maybe $10,000 a year higher at that point in time. So spending $5,000 on, on a lawyer writing up a prenuptial agreement to which that would have equated to wiping out Five thousand of the ten thousand dollar difference, we'd be spending five grand to worry about splitting five five grand. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Well, that was my mistake. Is that you know we very surface level discussed it. Um, come time for division of assets, and we got right into the the deep of things. All of her assets were protected because of the jurisdiction that we lived in. None of mine were. So um, I instantly went from being in a 50% position at the beginning of our relationship to being in a 75% position right off the bat. Then you add into that spousal support and all the other wonderful stuff that goes with it. Uh, the fact that my income basically tripled during the term of our marriage, uh, I walked away with 
roughly 18% of my net worth at time of split. And naturally, I was one responsible for building probably 80% of our total net worth. So it was literally a complete flip. Uh, I came in a 50% partner. 80% of our net assets was attributed directly to me, my income and my business. And I walked away leaving her with 80% of said net worth. <laughs> so it was a great deal. Got stuck with some child support or not, sorry, not child support, my bad. Uh, we didn't have children. Uh, I got stuck with puzzle support on the back end as well because I was in that upper top 1% earner status, uh, multiple six figures a year. And she worked part-time because um, like David, she was lazy. And um, so because of that, they looked at it as, well, you can make it all back. And my argument the entire time was, because that was the common phrase back and forth about it around all the time was, you know, that you can make it back. Well, in my mind, if, if I can make it back, then it's very obvious I'm the one who made it in the first place. Why is it being legally taken away from me? And that's literally, literally what it was, was legal extortion. This is about the only way I can put it. So um, later on, we'll get into some more things, some stuff that I've learned since then for people, if you're going to, you're going to go through this, um, some tips and some tricks to use to your advantage, uh, like use later on, or I'll discuss later on. So that's about it. So for whoever who's next. Yeah, fantastic stories for, so far. And it's already bringing up some follow-up questions, which I'm sure we'll we'll dig into once we go around the horn. So guys, for those of you who don't know him, know me as a number member of the Men of Now group. If you want to know more information about there, I'll just put a ticker down below. Just type in that link in your browser, head on out there and then check it out. I'll do the soft picture at the end. But know me, you're up. Audio not working. I can't hear you. Yeah. Oh, and he's gone. Well, we lost no. him. <laughs> Let's see if he comes back. Uh, just keep it flowing. I'll go ahead and go. Uh, yeah, we can just keep it flowing. You know, my, my story is similar to a lot of them, but it starts way back in the late 90s. Did the whole high school sweetheart thing. When we first got together, I was 17. She was 16. We have known each other since we were young. Pretty much a typical relationship all the way up through college. And then I joined the military, joined the army right after 9-11, was getting ready to start on that journey in life. And we both had decided that we were too young to get married. I think I was 22 at that point. She was 21. However, in the army or the military in general, they incentivize getting married for when you make more so you can live off base. Uh, they don't recognize girlfriends as dependents. And then during basic training, I saw my paycheck compared to a guy that was married of the same rank. And so I told her, yeah, we need to get married. If we're going to make this work and you're going to move to Fort Bragg, North Carolina with me, then we're going to have to get married. So she planned the wedding. We got married. All oh, that was great. Um, and we, we did, we did love each other. Uh, we, we got married way too young. We'll talk about that later and some of the things that I found out. Um, and then like most of the guys have admitted about three years in, it became more of a roommate situation. Uh, we, weren't sleeping in the same room. We weren't, um, we weren't in love anymore. We cared about each other, but it was just going south. Uh, but a lot of men are not going to initiate a divorce. And then 2006 came up and I go on my second deployment to the Middle East. And we made it through one deployment, 0304 Fallujah. We made it through that one fine. However, we were already on rocky times when I got to go left the second time. And 
she had been more established and made some friends in North Carolina. So it wasn't too long after I was gone, would call her on a Friday night, would call her on a Saturday night, couldn't get a hold of her, would get a text or an email the next morning. Sorry, I was out with this person or that person. So about halfway through the deployment, I come home on what they call rest and relaxation. You come home for two weeks over her birthday. It would go goes good for about the first week. The second week, we just argued the entire time. So I knew something was up. <clears throat> so I get back to finish out the tour and we had never gone more than two or three days without speaking with each other. Well, it started being a week and then one time it was up to nine days. So I knew something was going on. So I was emailing her, you know, where are we? What are you doing? You know, is, is there something you need to talk to me about? She wouldn't really reply. I was getting little one word answers. So I knew in the back of my mind, she had met someone, which at my um, honestly, to me at that point was fine. I was ready to check out anyways. I was 27 at the time. She was 26. So we were still young enough that we could rebuild. One thing about the military in those times, judges got really tired of seeing service members come home to a drained bank account, another guy living in their house, nothing to And then the woman wanting alimony. Fortunately, we never had children, so child support was never an issue. I think that's one of the biggest leverages I had was that we didn't have children. And she had an income. She was an x-ray tech. I was a junior NCO, so our incomes were about on the same level. So when it started coming down to how are we going to split up the assets, I got her to admit that she was finally cheating on me and she was living with another guy. So when it came to the house, my stand my ground was, well, if you're already living with someone, what makes you think you have any right to this house? So she complied with that. Her lawyers complied with that, especially from some of the emails that I had from her. That's why we'll talk about later. It's very important to, while you're going through the process, document everything, keep everything, don't throw anything away because divorce lawyers and women, they're one and the same. If you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Okay. Well, if he'll give you that, let's see if he'll give you this. If he'll pay for that, We'll see if he'll pay for this. So I stood my ground the entire time. I never had to retain a lawyer because I just went through her lawyers. And basically, when it was all said and done through the infidelity, the judges in Fayetteville, North Carolina at the time, she knew she didn't have a leg to stand on, especially with all the lies she told me. So she basically got to fill her car up with clothes and her stuff and get the fuck out of my house, which is probably painting her in a very bad picture right now, which I don't want to do. She's not a bad person. She ended up marrying the guy. They're still married. Now they have a kid together. So it worked out great for both of us. But to see guys nowadays that basically get destroyed in a divorce from a woman that said they love them and then becomes a she-devil as soon as those papers are about to get signed, it, it really it really strikes a chord with me because I feel lucky, but then I also feel that I can help other guys that are going through a divorce or are getting ready to get married on how to protect themselves because you don't have, just have to roll over for them. And I'm a living testimony, just like Jaron, that, hey, life went on in the best way for both of us. I'm doing better financially now. I left active duty because of the divorce. I was in for a few more years, but I left active duty to start my life. And now I'm doing great financially, career-wise, and all that. So it's not the end of the world, but for some guys, it can can destroy you. And But there's ways to protect yourself. But that's I love my story how we, in a nutshell. 
I love how we all have different stories. I know yours resonates a lot with me. I was never in the armed services, but a lot of my friends growing up were. And my brother, before his first deployment, they would literally tell the, those these young kids to not do any of the marriage thing, to look out for this kind of stuff. My best buddy growing up, I worked at a video store in high school. He was a couple years older than me. He got sent to Iraq back in the day. And his girlfriend was coming in, racking up late charges on his account. And I got to the point where I just closed the account. I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. She was with some other guy, of course. So real rude awakening for you young service members out there or soon to be. You know, heed, heed the word of guys like Kevin. Or again, I never served and I would never claim to um, if I haven't. But a lot of my buddies did. I grew up in the country and most of the guys I grew up with served. And that story is 100% of what happened to 100% of those types of guys. But as Kevin mentioned, you'll notice there is a bright side to this type of stuff, guys. When you, It feels like you're going through hell when you're in the midst of the divorce machine. There are a lot of guys, unfortunately, that self-delete in those types of situations. But the good thing is what I told myself, because I, I started having those thoughts come up in my head too, to where I told myself, okay, I'm not going to self-delete physically, but internally, the guy that got led into the situation, this person no longer exists. So then I was reborn in the situation. And again, guys, if you follow my channel, you know, you'll know what kind of life I live. Or uh, my buddy Joel, he's not backstage, but he's living with me here in Mexico City. We're tearing it up. We're having an absolute good time. So I don't even recognize that former version of myself because in the moment of that divorce machine, when those self-deletion ideas came up, it's like, all right, you know what? I love my life. It's happy. There's like a little dimly lit flame in here. I'm going to let this thing burn into a motherfucking fire and take the world by storm. But at the time, you have to deal with all the BS. You have to get all of that stuff out of the way from the legal standpoint. Have to work on yourself emotionally, physically, spiritually, all that good stuff. But then you come out the other side, and it's 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 the wide open world. You, you're entirely free, and then you know what got you into the situation, so you don't do it again. So we'll see if Nomi's audio is working. If not, we'll continue on to discuss what led us in these situations, kind of the lessons learned, and then how guys that may be in these situations potentially entering these situations or coming out on the other side of these situations can make the best of said situations. So Nomi, let's give you a try. Hello folks. Uh, can you we gotcha. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Is there a way you can turn it up a bit? If not, I won't be too nitpicky. Okay. Uh, all right. Can you hear, clear, uh, hear me clearly? Yeah, you're good. Let's roll. All right. Perfect. Hey guys. So me and my story is like, uh, I'm, I'm still in my twenties, like early twenties. And uh, I basically started like a early 20s. So basically my story started in like I, I, I grew up, my upbringing was in like a religious household. Uh, father was quite like a religious person. Uh, so go to church every Sunday and even there's a service in the, in the, in the, within the week. Uh, we go attend that too. So my upbringing was that like, okay, you gotta be with the one-eyeders one soulmate and that's all it is because uh, there's uh, if you go beyond of that or you go it's considered degenerate and uh, you know uh, sinful or other grass so i used to go to church uh, one of the church and there we we met and she was a worshiper there and i said yeah uh, I'm, i mean i'm a church guy so she's also in the church so what's what what could go wrong you know so if we both go in the same church we uh, share the same value, uh, so it will be better if I get get a girl from the church uh, rather just go outside and find meet woman outside. Uh, well, uh, things go uh, times go by, and we decided like okay, we need to take it further, so let's get married. Uh, it was uh, 2018, uh, and I was 21. She was 21 too, and we both got married. And uh, 
things were, I th- things were like I think got, got on uh, bad from my part because I was not aware of nothing. The stuff I have access to now, especially like uh, come in the circle, uh, like like my like you guys, I was not aware of nothing at that moment, and I was just living in just in a small bubble. Like this is a life. Like this is life. There is no beyond of that. It's like a, just a, a mindset of crab in a bucket. Like I didn't know nothing about a world, and uh, even being a guy like uh, going through a trauma in my early teens, also it was. Um, it, it, it's still like I wasn't familiar with the world and I thought like okay this is uh, okay we're gonna get married and uh, well unfortunately <laughs> we got a kid in uh, my situation is totally different than I know you guys like are older than me and you guys still got out without a kid but in my case uh, yeah we had a kid together and I thought like we we had started like I think uh, uh, my mind because I was kind of be like a hothead and uh, don't know about how to control emotions and uh, just be angry, no, nothing about a stoicism. And then I was dealing with the, some kind of addiction as well at that point. And yeah, all things like just wrapped together. And I was just so confused in my mind, like what, what am I doing wrong? Something is not right. Something is not, something really holding me back and I need to push myself. And there's more than what I'm living right now. And uh, yeah, and so... Once we got a kid together, I think things got more tougher. Uh, and uh, there was something like in my mind, like I should have, I should have pulled pulled the trigger, like just untie the knot, untie the knot. I should have do that. And again, like being a religious guy, going to church and just thinking like, no, it could be, it would be wrong, it would be sinful, and just feeling the guilt in my heart, like uh, what I'm thinking is is just wrong. It's just wrong. But I was never be ever like uh, listening to my heart, like trusting my instinct. And uh, yeah, man, things got so worse after having a kid. We just having a fights, and we not again like this uh, roommate fa- roommate phase period come. Like uh, I was just working at that point. I was working overnight, and she was working the day. So who gonna take care of the baby? And this is all that. It, it was just all chaos just erupt uh, suddenly. Well, time go by was a Corona, then COVID hit, and I was just an essential worker. I was going to work, and work was so it was just all things around here. There. Uh, well, here's a my things come when we got separated. Uh, we were living in an apartment. We moved to a different city uh, where I'm currently living right now. We moved to a different city. And there we got uh, first uh, got in an argument in the day and later on in the evening, like, uh, okay, we got separated. And I, uh, we went to a pastor uh, listening, like he counseled us, but he said like, um, if she doesn't want to stay with you, just let her be, just let her stay with the parents. Uh, she's going through some, uh, there's like a trauma kind of thing. So you just let her be. So I was like, okay, that's that's fine. Okay, if she wants it, okay, I, I will just let it. But uh, the, the behavior kind of become changed now because I'm just stuck there by myself now in just a two-bedrooms apartment. There's nothing good for me. I also lost my job. I lost, I even got in a, almost got in a wreck. Uh, I mean, things were so like rough for me at my roughest period of my life. 
living by myself, getting into depression, just binge eating, like eating, 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 sleeping, and just be depressed. At that time, I was not aware of nothing like a red pill stuff or any of it. Well, I asked her like, okay, so what are we standing right now? So what are you, what's your plan? Like, are we still in there or you have a different thought in the mind? And she said, yeah, she doesn't want to stay. And uh, I say, okay, well, I was still going to church, started back to church. Okay, things will pass. Okay, praying. And just to, <laughs> I started going to the new church and pastor was like, man, just pray about her. Just pray for that. If God wants it, he will bring her back. It could take a one year or it could take a 10 years. You still have to wait. So all just come to me without like uh, her telling her like uh, what she needs to do on her part, her end. And uh, man, it, it was a rough period. And at one point where, where we're staying at in the apartment, uh, the lease was on her name. So she was a primarily holder of the lease. And uh, she said she doesn't want to renew the lease since she doesn't want to stay with me. She doesn't want to renew the lease. And I say, so where am I going to go? Because I I don't have a job. I'm living in a depressed uh, state of mind. At that point, like my family wasn't even around me and uh, I don't know where to go. And then she said, like, uh, at that point, she told me what I realized now, like I'm hearing a lot. She said, no, me, you are a man. Figure it out. At that point, like, I, I didn't understand that much. I said, that's kind of a bit rough, man. I got offended. But uh, I think she, that was a core, like, she she was telling me that. I didn't realize that time. And, um, yeah, man. Um, and I was just uh, getting more into depression and just th thinking myself, like, oh, in one month, I will be homeless. Like, I was really literally going in a homeless year because I had no vision, no nothing. Uh, in my mind because I was just still in the new newest in the city because we just moved like a year eight months year and a year ago and I was just new in the city and couldn't find nowhere no corner like I can go and just like okay that's my like that's my like a safe spot I need to be here and I uh I would go further uh, after that but uh yeah man I, that was, that's my story and I was just uh going homeless but uh I bounced back and uh, just want to share quickly. Today is like a one year mark. Like I moved to my own apartment. So I just wanted to put that out. Uh, like after all struggle, all the hard work, three jobs, in the three job, having three jobs. And guys, I, I bounced back <laughs> and living in my best, uh, like, a, you know, listening to you guys, a lot of your uh, content and you know, advice also in uh, getting in the community. It's I think that it's, uh, it's and now I realize that that's the best decision she made, and that, that quote she gave me like you need to be a man, figured it out, and I think I figured it out, and I'm still figuring it out. Thank you for the time, man. Isn't that amazing how evil they can turn? That that same sweet little girl that you married, or I, I don't mean little girl. I'm thinking in Spanish. So like the, the that precious girl you married, all of a sudden she could become a complete devil. But Nomi, it's awesome. I'm very familiar with her story. It's awesome. You're bouncing back, and actually you're just starting to bounce back. So I remind myself, I'm like seven, eight years out of my divorce. I remind myself every day that it just keeps getting better, and it never doesn't 
get better, if that makes sense, if that's perfect English. Uh, Kevin, I know you had some stats for us. Do you want to, do you have them queued up? Do you want to yeah, lay them on yeah. the boys? Earlier today, since I knew we were going to be doing this show, you know, I do a lot of research. So just kind of checked out some things. You know, we here in America, I mean, 50% of marriages end in a divorce. And that idea even goes up to 70 or 75% on second marriages. So if your first one didn't work, it, the hope for having a second one comes. But it made me think, what would the Internet tell me if I asked, why is divorce rate so high in America? And the main reasons are lack of commitment, too much arguing, infidelity, marrying too young, unrealistic expectations, lack of equality in the relationship, and lack of preparation and abuse is, comes in last. Doesn't really say it's, it's emotional abuse, physical abuse. Uh, I guess we could just bundle those all into one. But then I also checked out another one who initiates divorce and war. And that one, as most of us know, it came up with 70% of the time it's the women that initiate divorce. And another staggering statistic I found on top of that is that figure jumps to 90% when the women are college educated. And especially now with colleges being 60 to 70% female, that statistic's probably going to go up. But then I, it made me think, and I took it back to the first thing, why is divorce rate so high in America? Lack of commitment was the first one. Well, if that's true that college-educated women, 90% are initiating the divorce, is it lack of commitment of men or lack of commitment of women? Because I would say you're stepping out of the commitment if you initiate the divorce because you're wanting to find something else or you want a different life. Too much arguing. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Uh, infidelity. I tried to look up who cheats more. Of course, it came men. But I think a lot of times and you guys might agree men get caught a lot more than women because women tend to cheat on emotion. Men tend to cheat out of desire or just physical wants or needs. I, I would second that, Kevin, with also men are probably more willing to admit it because it's yep. the uh, natural sexual desires of men versus women where mm -hmm. we have a different sexual uh, strategy based than women do. So they're more concerned about um, protecting their uh, wholesome image where mm -hmm. men don't really have that. And we don't worry about that. So we're probably more apt to admit when we do where they're not. So I would agree with you on that, that, it's, that that statistic is probably misrepresented. Yeah, and also, we're not as careful. Exactly. Women can conceal a lot of things due to their social nature. They're much more socially adept than men are. I know mm -hmm. guys hate to hear this. A lot of the game I learned, I learned from women. Some of the underhanded, sneaky, vicious, uncouth things they've done. When it's done to you, it hurts. It stings. And you realize, okay, well, there's a tool that I can put in my toolkit and use too. It sounds crazy. It sounds dark triad. I know it is, but I've learned all of this stuff from women and they're very good at getting away with it. And they'll do little things too. I joke all the time on my channel. I swear to God, it's like they're constantly, it's like they start shedding. Like all of a sudden they have, they're doing chemotherapy the minute they come to my house. So they're a sh shaggy ass sheddy dog. Their, their hair is just all over the place or they'll, they always leave stuff behind always i don't know how the earrings fall out how they get tossed across a room panties they used to leave them bunched in the bed now they put them flush they have to pull all of your sheets off look under the mattresses under the bed they are really good at not getting caught but they're even better at getting you caught yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I, agree. Exactly you know, right. I was going to bring that up too. I have no bones about making, I did, you know, we were together for six years before we got married, me and my ex-wife and we were married for five. And I, during our boyfriend, girlfriend stage, I stepped out of the relationship several times, a couple of times in their marriage, I got caught with one. And I can honestly admit that it was never for feelings or emotions. It was because maybe one of her friends at a party threw herself at me. Um, right time, right place. But it was, I never did it out of emotional feelings. It was purely for physical desire. Women are on the other hand, a little bit different. You know, they'll, they'll take four or five months to build a relationship with this person and have an emotional connection, even start thinking about what would life be with him rather than my husband before they do that, you know, the stepping out of the relationship. So I don't know, if, you know, I won't say, you know, men probably cheat more, uh, but we definitely get caught more, but I think it's probably 50, 50, um, you know, with, with my divorce, I found out later on that even when I was home on vacation from my deployment, she was with this guy before that. So, and he, she was sleeping with me while I was there. So how, you know, how was that? How, for one, he had to know what was going on. So, I mean, what, how could you trust her after that? But it shows how easily they can do stuff like that without repercussion in their own minds. Yeah. The mental gymnastics are uncanny. It's quite amazing how they can justify this, not even justify them, how the gaslighting, how I remember in my divorce, looking my wife at the time in the face and telling her, Hey, I know you're with someone else. It's fine. We just need to get out of this as quick as possible. And her just looking at me dead in the eyes and lying, saying, no, you're like, you're insane. This is, you're making stuff up. This isn't true. And I had all the, I had all of the evidence. Uh, at one point she screwed up. She left her computer with me and asked if I can do updates on it. So I had access to it and I just pulled all of her emails and there was emails back and forth. They were, they were doing uh, with her other guy. They did a fake proposal at Christmas with both of the families and her, her whole family knew we were married. So her whole family was in on it. I was the only asshole in the situation. All of her friends knew, all of the cousins knew, of course, none of my friends knew, but we all suspected something. There was even a point we went out to a nightclub one night and one of my good buddies from college was in town and I took him out and I asked him, this guy has game. This guy has rock solid game. So I asked him, hey, I think my wife's cheating on me with someone. One, let me know if I'm off base here. And then two, I think I know who it is. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you point him out to me. And the minute he, the minute he met the girl, he's like, oh, dude, she's with that guy, clearly. I'm like, all right. So, so we knew, but she would look me right in the face and take the tone of, Jaron, you're insane. You're imagining things. You need to double down on your therapy. And really my therapy session was the therapist convincing me that I need to set boundaries, see reality for what it was, and then just pull the plug on this whole situation. And that took a while until, the, again, her cousin sat me down over beers and said, bro, this has been going on the whole time. And then at that point, without a shadow of doubt, confirmation, called the lawyer up on Monday, like, all right, let's roll. And it was over very quick for her. I find it funny with uh, pathological liars that they have an inability to see their own lies. They, they, they even think their own lies are truths that they, oh, I, this is what I said. This, and, 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 and then they'll change. If, if, if they got caught, they'll change it. And uh, I'm, um, as I said, I'm going through that right now. But it, I find that very interesting. As you said, the mental gymnastics uh, yeah. So I, it's crazy. <laughs>
Well, they're they're very good. <clears throat> like women are far superior to men when it comes to psychological warfare, um, because that is how women deal with situations amongst themselves. It's all a you know women are the women clicks right. Remember this from school. Um, all of a sudden, they'll turn on one friend and they all hate her. But the day before, they all loved her. And it's, it's back and forth. It's, it's because the likelihood of women becoming physical in a confrontation is very low compared to men. That's why we are not as equipped for the uh, psychological warfare part, because we know at some point or another, generally speaking, when there's an issue between us and another man, that you know there is an extremely high likelihood that it's going to become physical. So the psychological warfare part doesn't enter into that for us um and that's why you know it, it is such a very few per small percentage of men that end up going into those type of services for the government for psychological war warfare and whatnot and there is a shit ton of training and it's it's because we're just not biologically hardwired to deal with that at a level that they are i think they're really experts when it comes to um there's this great book uh, art of war by sun tzu mm -hmm. i think they're like total total masters oh yeah in that, in that arena i uh, a couple of years ago i i i bought it up at amazon is like why hadn't i picked this up like 10 15 years ago uh it, it was a total eye-opener but uh yeah they're they are absolute experts in in that field not only are they experts, but they really enjoy doing it. So guys, when you are coming out of the divorce thing, when you start getting your game on point, when you start dating new girls, you can eventually get to the point where you can make her your ally and then have her execute that psychological warfare against other people. It's really fun. It's fucking fantastic. And she really gets off on doing it for her man. So uh, guys, if you aren't already in the group, I post stuff every now and then about how to get uh, three ways going and things of that nature. If you can again, convert her and get her into your frame and then have her execute your, your will for you. It's amazing how she will turn on friends. She'll backstab them. There's times I've taken out girls here and I'm doing bottle service and I say, Hey, invite these other, invite these Americans to the table for a drink and then charge them at the end. And we make a profit and the girl, she's going out and dancing with him and kind of getting close to his face. And the guy goes in for a kiss and she pulls away. And then she comes back to me with a little smirk on her face and a good girl, good job. And we make a profit at the end of the night. So I know that again, that sounds horrible, but guys, once you get your game to that level, your women love doing that shit for you because otherwise, if they don't have guidance, that, that nature of just committing that psychological genocide, it's unfettered, it's unfiltered. And she just puts that out in the world. And it's usually disastrous for our, all parties involved. But if you can channel that nature within her, then you can have a lot of fun together. And she really gets turned on doing that for her man, which if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't never got divorced in the first place. Just be careful that she doesn't turn it on you. Yeah. You, when you get burned enough, you, you see it coming a mile away. So you can nip that in the bud real quick, which leads me to my next question, guys. So let's say for those viewers out there that maybe they are considering marriage, maybe they're in a marriage and they're at that point where we all were, where you're starting to question yourself. Okay. Is this my sweet little flower? Is this my little angel? I walked down the, the aisle. Is there something going on or am I just going crazy? Guys, at this point, I would ask for anyone on the panel, feel free to speak up. We'll keep it free flowing. But what are some signs to see that one, maybe this shouldn't be the girl you married in the first place, or if you are married, that things are past that point of no return. And then 
either next steps to get out of that situation relatively unscathed or for guys possibly entering that situation, how to protect yourself. We've already mentioned things. Bentley mentioned it and I mentioned it. Get a free legal consultation. Or they're never free, but get, book an hour at least with your attorney and then just ask him, hey, how does this look if this doesn't play out well? What are the things I need to do now to ensure there's a soft landing if my sweet little angel, my one and only happens to just pull that 180, which a lot of them do, and turns into my worst enemy. So I'll open that up to the panel. I think and, I think uh, even what would be the best is, I, I know you guys have, and uh, I, I know you guys have heard this before, but to uh, step into divorce court, that's free. You just step in and you watch how everyone else's life uh, totally implodes and uh, you get to see what that train wreck looks like. <laughs> That's rather scary. Um, that's definitely a scary thing to be there. Uh, been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. Um, as far as mitigation techniques, if you are in a marriage and it's going to end, um, something to keep in mind to help it ending, help, help it escalating beyond control, so to speak, or to a point where she becomes extremely difficult to deal with. It, it goes back to the uh, the evolutionary psychology of things. Um, you know, the last 150 years aside, we'll remove that, you know, as human beings, we've been evolving for a couple hundred thousand years. And so the way our brains work, we're, we actually have like two parts to our brain and inherently that hind part of our brain that makes our heartbeat, that uh, makes you breathe, makes your eyes blink, the stuff that literally makes your body function happen and is beyond your control. You don't even tell yourself to do it. It just happens. That same sequence is where we are hardwired in and women are hardwired in where um, losing their man who is their protector. Nowadays, we're not necessarily as much of a provider with, um, you know, incomes and, and careers and stuff the way they are. But that part of our brain has not evolved. It's still there. Um, when we get scared, when somebody confronts us verbally, our adrenaline goes off, our mind shrinks, and we actually start to pump blood to our legs and our arms for fight or flight. Uh, it's an uncontrolled response. That's the hind part of our brain. So when you're dealing with your counterpart and things are going badly, remember that to her, this means death, not to the front part of her brain. Um, so thoughts and feelings are controlled differently in our inner minds. Uh, thoughts are electro electrical impulses inside of our brain. Emotions are chemical. So when she's getting emotionally triggered, that's a chemical response being released through her brain and it's causing all kinds of things to go haywire. Be calm, use logic and let her know that at the end of the day, this is not going to kill her. It's not going to be the end of her. You're not looking to destroy her. You guys are just looking to separate the relationship. So let's keep that in mind. Now, once again, thoughts are electric. They happen quickly. Feelings are chemical. So you may get that thought process cooled down, but it will take some time for the chemical to subside. So don't be surprised through this that there are the highs and the lows. Learn how to manage these, learn how to play these because these go on inside of her brain beyond her control. They go on inside your brain beyond your control. It's learning to manage these things. As men, we're better at mastering our emotions because we're used to being able to suppress that and allowing those chemical washes to, to go over us, women so much. So when she's becoming hysterical or uh, she's in that fight or flight response, remember that is the chemical washing through her brain. Apply to the thinking part 
and give it some time because it takes time for the chemical to wash away. It's not instantaneous like electricity is in the thoughts. So if you can play that and work on that, you can really bring her, you can really control those highs and lows from being so extreme and can help things, uh, can help yourself be able to manage uh, her and let her know that she's safe. At the end of the day, you're not looking to destroy her, um, even if you are, because you don't want her to have that thought process because that will just trigger the things you can't control. So to keep yourself in that control part, always try and keep yourself at an even keel, which will help bring her back to an even keel. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Bentley, on uh, controlling your emotions and trying to keep it on a civil manner. Because if, like Jaron, alluding to what you were saying earlier, you know, with the mean girls in, in high school, how they'll turn on you. They'll, if they know that they can get under your skin and make you lose your emotional control, they'll play on that and they'll use it against you. So remaining calm, remaining direct, trying to get it over as fast as you can while not giving everything away is the most important thing too. I've seen divorces go on for four and five years sometimes. And to me, that's ridiculous because time is the one thing we will never get back. As far as what you said, Jaron, picking the right girl and knowing she's the right one, I, brother, I don't think there's a way because, you know, the first 90 days is always great. Then you start learning the real person. Then you start seeing maybe some red flags. They're maybe bringing some red flags out in you. <clears throat> but I don't know if you can ever know that this is person, you know, our grandparents had it, had it totally different. My grandma told me one time, well, you graduated high school, you pick somebody, you got married, hope they turned out well because their divorce wasn't in their vocabulary. Now divorce just comes just like flicking somebody off or cutting you off while you're on your way to work. So knowing that they're the right person, that's that's tough. Uh, what my main advice would be, don't rush into it. Don't be afraid to take two, three, five years before you even move in together. And even at that point, don't feel like just because you live together, you got to get married. Uh, like David said earlier, he'll never make the mistake again. I wouldn't look at it as a mistake. I'm not going to put myself in a position to lose anything, especially since I came off pretty good with my first divorce. I'm not going to allow myself to put myself in a marriage and allow the state into my finances and my relationship and my business. I will go if I meet a girl that I fall deeply in love with. I'll go so far as to buy rings. We can have a little private ceremony with your family, my family, but we're not going to the courthouse. We're not signing papers because at this point in my life, you, the only reason we would get married is maybe you need health insurance or something like that. We could figure that out, but we can have everything that a marriage would entail without inviting the state into our finances in our house. And I live in North Carolina. We don't have common law here, so we could live together for 10 or 15 years. If we decide to break up and it's my house, your name's not on the deed. You're more than welcome to leave, but I don't owe you anything. And in most cultures, most people don't really care about the civil marriage. It's the ceremonious or religious or social side of the marriage. So I know that's a very popular model that's going on these days. I've made that declaration before too. Okay, I'll never get married again in the sense to where the state was involved, but I could see myself heading down that road again. It, it would be nice to have that depth of relationship. And really, if you're actually truly madly in love with each other and it's because of love, then marriage legally doesn't really matter. 
you hear guys talking about it all the time. Oh, the, the whole prenup conversation. Well, if she's opposed to a prenup, then she's not in it for the right reasons. So you shouldn't even consider marriaging her. It's a non-starter at that point. It's not even an issue. So I think there's there are good ways to prevent yourself from getting into these situations from the get-go. And a lot of times, and I mentioned this to guys, um, guys, I will start going through some of the, the comments here, but Joel, let's go, boys. Just got into an LTR and looking forward to learning what not to do. Well, this is the stream for you. But uh, Joel asked me quite a few times, hey, okay, well, I'm dating multiple women. How do I go about being exclusive? And I'm usually against the 100% traditional two-way monogamy relationships. I practice more of an open one-way monogamy to where I can invite other girls in. She can't have other guys. But for me, the main girl has to be bisexual, which makes it easy because then we can just have girls together. And there's a reason for that because it's all it's all a mitigation of risk. I know if certain people watch this kind of content, they always get on my ass for this, but it's all a risk mitigator. You get the best behavior out of her. You still get to explore your options as a man. And if she's bisexual, which is a requirement for me, then she gets to explore her options as a woman too. It's a win all the way around without any of the bullshit involved in the process. Now, a lot of times I do advise guys to shy away from the traditional two-way monogamy model because when you allow her to, mon to monopolize your sexuality, then you are pretty much letting her know that she won. There's no competition anxiety. She doesn't have to be on her best behavior. That's where people fall into complacency. Whereas I've noticed in my life, when I'm dating multiple women, you don't have to throw it in their face. You don't have to tell them. They know. They can sense it. They can feel your energy. They know your vibe. When you're walking around and you talk to women in public, even if you're not flirting with them, trying to get anywhere with them, they know. They can tell that like, oh, this is a guy that is in high demand by other women and she will be on her best behavior because she doesn't want to lose you. She knows she has a hot commodity. I think what happens when, especially when you start going through the stages of divorce is you're not putting your best self forward anymore. And then as she's picking you apart bit by bit, as Kevin mentioned, when girls see a chink in your armor, they will exploit it. She's picking you apart bit by bit. Then both of you are in this negative feedback spiral to where she's just taking more and more new of you and more of your power. And you're just giving it away before. That's why usually men get destroyed in these things. You have nothing left at that point and you've given all of your power away to her. So that's why there are risk mitigators. Uh, you can build them into relationship models. I won't do a full pitch, but guys, I have an entire dating course I released recently on exactly how to do that. The first core cluster is eliminating all these problems, building new mental frameworks, selecting relationship models that work for you. You can get creative with them. I do the MLTR plus plate plus eventual one night stand. I'm reducing my volume quite a bit because I do like having long-term relationships as most guys do, but you have to be aware of some of the risks that lie across different models and then put your life together intentionally in a way that works best for you. And when you invite a woman into it, the best for both of you. So that's why I advocate some of the things I do. Uh, I will go through some of these comments real quick and clear them out. T smash. We can hear them now. Yeah. On my end, I get choppy audio. Sometimes my computer, it's only when I go on live streams, it tries to update the software as if it can't do it at 3 AM. Cause I have a Mac and it's always on, but that is what it is. I can second that Jaron and Kevin Lewis on the military aspect and marriage. Yeah, I have heard that story time and time again. Here's a good question I can put to the panel. How do you lack or how do you view lack of equality? Because in the space, they say men and women aren't equal. Ooh, that's kind of a loaded question. Anyone want to tackle that one? Uh, well, I, I would agree that, you know, men and, men and women are not equal in society. Uh, and physically, they're not equal. Now, you can have equal partnership in the relationship, but when it comes to equality, does that mean, okay, you work, I work, we split the bills 50-50? Uh, so what, what equality are they looking for? Because we both have 
females have good things that they can do that I can't. I have things that a female can't. So there's never going to be an, an equal or 50-50 equality when it comes to that. That's just my opinion. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really wording that the way I want to. But it, in, even in society, it's, it's, it's equality. It, it, it means two different things when it comes to just men and men of what they are equal and they can do or women of what they are equal to do. But when it comes to men and women, there's, there was, there's never going to be 100% equality. And that's not uh, a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I like to say uh, not only are we not equal, but we are definitely different. And I, I think maybe they're saying we're, we're, we're not equal in a way that they're saying that we're different. I, to me, we're, we're more different than we are uh, unequal. Yeah, I think that's why I mentioned it's a loaded question. So really... Uh, it really goes back to what does equality mean? Kevin, I think you hit that on the head. Equal under the eyes of God, yes, but men and women are complementary. There's different roles for each of them if you follow that sort of tradition. Under the eyes of the law, on paper, yes, although we know in divorce court that that often leans more in the favor of the woman a lot of times. Equal in terms of just inherent human value? Yes, I'd, I'd argue that yes. But in the context of relationship, I think people really bastardize this term or hijacked it to think 50-50 split of the bills and we have to chore play and split. No, in my relationships, I'm in charge of the relationship. I lead the relationship. And then in doing so, I allow her space to for her femininity to amplify who I am. Those are the best relationships. Those are relationships that work. I don't really care what other people think. I am the type of guy. I'm very practical. I just do what works best. And I've tried all different models. Did the did the marriage model. I was a good fucking husband. Didn't work out. I'm not jaded. You always get people that say that too. But you try a lot of things. And then you realize, oh, this is what works. I know this isn't the topic, but the fitness thing. You hear people, all the, they get religious about fitness topics too. And then you realize when you meet someone who's jacked, there's very key things they do that all of them do. And they just do things that work. There's no, oh, this diet over that diet. They all have their merit to them. And I think on that equality question, it's the same thing. Women have as much value as men under the eyes of God, under the eyes of the law. But in the context of a relationship, men are better at some things and women are better at some things. And I truly believe it's a yin yang type energy. It's why that symbol even exists in the first place. If you look in nature, you understand the complementary nature of male and female dynamics and that we are better together than we are apart. It doesn't really matter who's equal or more from a statistical standpoint. As a whole, we, we are the strongest. And I think that would be the better point to argue. All right, well, uh, I, I agree. It's, it's, oh, go ahead. It's, it's, it is a loaded question. And, it, and it's one that women can't answer just as just like men can't answer. Because when you ask me, what do you mean? What, what equality do you want in a relationship? They can't answer that question. They, they don't. But it remember when, when I was talking about my statistics, why are divorce so high in America? That is the fourth one, lack of equality in the relationship. So that's why a woman wants to leave and find someone else. Or that's, that's why men, because they don't feel as equal. But it takes the one to the one before that. Unrealist, unrealistic expectations is one of the most common reasons for divorce in America. So when you say unrealistic expectations, from a man's point, how, how would you guys define it? How, what, what unrealistic expectations would a man possibly have in a relationship? Because I can only equate that to females. Do you know what? I'd make the argument real quick. If if you're guys listening or, or girls even, if this, if the topic of equality is coming up in your relationship, 
then you shouldn't be in that relationship. When a woman, guys, is in love with you, th that shit goes out the window. She is completely punch drunk on her emotions. She is 100% in your frame. You are the leader. You are her man. And things just kind of uh, can, things just kind of develop organically. They develop naturally. When you ever hear people say, oh, a good relationship's hard. No, bad relationships are fucking terrible. They're super tough. A good relationship is easy. It's natural. Things just flow. You don't have to think about it. You don't sit down and, oh, well, we need to make sure there's a quality in this relationship. Guys, if you have ever had that thought in your mind, if your girl has ever brought that up, you're in the wrong relationship. And that's not how relationships work. And take this from a guy who's been in a lot of relationships, good and bad and everything in between. And I think uh, I was in the position like an uh, unexpected uh, <clears throat> expectation, expectations that I was thinking like I'll, I'm getting married, like a traditional marriage, like where I will be the head of the household and she will listen and uh, she, uh, I want her to stay at home. Even she wanted to work. I mean, I, I will let her work. But once we got a baby and I wanted her to work like a part time, you know, uh, but she declined that. And uh because of, uh, in the early stages, it's tough for the for for the family, you know, like getting with the baby, and doing like you know, all the uh, all the household work. So I think I was uh, I, I was I had like in my and and always on her end too. Like we both as a young because we didn't have any experience, uh, what life is, and we just got in a big responsibility. And uh, especially when you're in the early stage, early early ages old early age, like early 20s, uh, people put a lot of un unexpected ex expectations with each other. So yeah, uh, I was uh, kind of a, uh, really, uh, I would say guilty of that. Like uh, I, I, since I didn't know no idea about much of the life, I put a lot of it. That's why I go picking a girl from the church and thought like uh, it would work out. So here I am, <laughs> like a divorce podcast right now. <laughs> Hey, right. I mean, uh, just a quick question, buddy. Do you think getting married in your early 20s was a mistake? One getting thing if I ever going to be say it's a terrible, terrible idea. And uh, if I wanted to sum that up, I just was thinking like what I'm going to say. I would say the boys should not get married, but men can. Yeah. And, and you know, that's that's one of the, the reasons uh, marrying too young. But, you know, when you look at especially a lot of sitcoms or a lot of the TV, you know, that's what you're supposed to do, you know, especially in small towns. I lived in a small town in Pennsylvania. Yep. And I mean, it was not uncommon for 20 year old girls to already have two kids after they graduated high school. They got married to their high school sweetheart, start popping out babies. Their only ambition in life was to put a double wide on the farm with the rest of the family. The man would work in the coal fields and she would stay home, take care of the babies. But then three years later, you know, social media kicked in. So now you've got a bunch of single mothers with two kids from two different guys. And then you've got single guys out here working in the coal mines to try just to barely scrape up the money to pay the child support to the ladies. And they couldn't work because you can't afford ba uh, babysitters. You know, it, it, so it, they tried it like that, but it didn't work. You know, my advice to any young guy, wait, wait till you're at least 30, probably 35 to consider marriage i always say to guys that okay yeah legally 18 you're in adulthood i didn't really feel like an adult until i was 30 and then a no, lot of times uh, yeah. i'm in my mid-30s now i feel like how now in my grandparents generation so i'm 36 um i feel like pretty much how about where my granddad was at probably 10 years 
earlier. So I am at the point mature wise at 36 as my granddad was at 26. But back then, like Kevin said, we didn't have all the social media options in my generation, especially millennials. It's all instant gratification, short dopamine fixes. Our brains have been trained since we were kids for instant gratification and the I want it now generation. And we don't really think about long term consequences. And that's why a lot of us on this panel, I know a couple of you are, are older Gen, Gen X or even I don't think we have any boomers up here. But uh, for at least for the millennials, I think we're the main generation now, at least in the US in Canada and the Western world. And we are having to undo a lot of damage that our parents, you know, Gen Xers, boomers, even some of the great generation did to us. I know sometimes it's really easy to blame everything on women. And I always advise this on my channel, like, hey, guys, if if effinism is your problem for everything in your life, then guess what? You're the problem. There's no there's no core group that is your problem for everything. We're all in this together. There's been an attack on the American or Western family for generations now. And then now, now we're, we're dealing with the consequences. And if we want relationships between men and women to get better, we have to be collaborative with each other. W women understand women understand relationships are broken too. These single moms, okay, yeah, they'll they'll talk about it. They'll watch these stupid fucking TikTokers and they'll, they'll talk about, oh, I'm selling raps on Facebook and you go girl, or oh, here, here's tr tricks to trap a man or how to manipulate a man or how to get him to pay for you on dates. But at the end of the day, they know they're pieces of shit. They're, they know they're not happy. They, if you really sit down and guys, if you, if you haven't gotten there yet, again, check out my dating course down there. I left the ticker scrolling, but it'll teach you how to like actually get to know women, how to get to know them at a deep level. None of them want that. They all want to be in happy, healthy relationships, just as we do as men. But as men, the degradation of our women is directly 100% our fault. We support this shit. We subscribe to the OnlyFans. We watch the porn. We send them fucking money for doing nothing, for existing. And then I, I'm, I'm the blame too. I'm the guy run up huge notch counts. You, you use them, you fuck them and chuck them and you throw them away. And then you're like, well, why aren't they virginal? Why aren't they wife quality? And again, I'm pointing the mirror right back at myself. I'm in that camp too. I was brought up in that tradition. But we have to start to undo this stuff. And I think men and women, again, they are better together than they are apart. But we're in this together if we want to steer this ship down the right path. Or you can just sell your shit and move to Mexico or, you know, some country where they're a little more feminine and just not worry about it anymore. But your life is entirely in your hands. I know I went on a rant right there, but uh, we can no, talk about more than comments. Points, uh, 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 Kevin, before you me. get going, I'm going to bring sure. Tony up here too. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, T Smash, I was I was waiting to bring you up because I want to introduce you to the audience, but figured you know I don't want you to slough off either. So, uh, T Smash is a good friend of all of us here on the panel. We've been in multiple groups together. We've known each other for years, so uh, he will be a welcome addition to the panel. And Kevin, I'll, I'll let you continue with your point. No, I, I just wanted to say too, like uh, like you said, the maturity level. I mean, there's there's been studies, and a lot of them heard about them, read them, maybe that men it does take men a few more years to mature than women. Uh, so that's a big reason for young men to not get married, especially to young girls, because they're going to mature faster. You're not. And that's going to only cause problems. But one thing that my divorce that I, that I didn't really allude to that, you know, women don't leave for no reason. And so my, it's not like my wife went and found somebody else because of no reason. I wasn't the best husband. I was I wasn't a great husband. And the divorce showed me that I, there was things I needed to change about myself to be a better man. And that brings me in. I was meeting men, me and Bentley and some other guys were at the Tony Robbins event. Uh, for the last two days, there was a, a lady that sat down next to me. Uh, we'll call her Pepper Lopez because that was her spirit animal. But I was talking to her about the men of now because she was very good question. That's my dating course, your spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, she was talking, asking about the men of now. And so I was telling her, you know, what, about what we're all about, you know, that we have dating to 
build meaningful relationships. We have, you know, Joel, who is a sobriety expert. I'm life coach. I bring a lot of life experience and we got on the topic of women submitting and she's, she's a little bit older than I am. Uh, she was probably early fifties, but still very attractive, very, very young at heart. Let's say that. And we got on the conversation of submitting. And I said, well, one thing that we preach in the minute now is to become the man that she trusts your decision-making skills. She trusts your leadership, which is makes it easier for her to submit to you because submit has become a very negative connotation to females. But if you show her that you can be the strong man, that she can trust that your decisions are going to be good and that she can rely on your leadership and you can do that in a masculine, still effective way, it makes it easier for her to submit. But if you're a young douchebag out here doing all the wrong things, but then still expecting a, a, a chick to submit to you, you need to look at yourself first and be the man that they want to submit to because you can't escape evolution. The, that, that part of evolution will never change that the man is going to be the leader and the woman's going to be the follower so to speak or the acquiescent submissive uh however you want to word it without offending all the feminists out there but you have to be the man that can provide the good leadership the good decision making skills and those leadership and if you can't do that then you maybe need to work on yourself before you worry about being in a relationship yeah i definitely agree with that i'm gonna Head through some more comments here, start to clear these out a bit. So, uh, Kevin, this kind of piggybacks on a point you made just a second ago, but I think it's more sinister how a woman mentally breaks up the months in advance before the separation actually happens. Once I realized this, it changed my perspective immensely. Oh, guys, I'm sure all of us on the panel have been there where that day comes. Hey, I don't think we should see each other anymore. Oh, there's someone else. Or, oh, it's, it's, it's not you. It's me. Or we should just be friends, any of those. And then when you come to the realization, like, how did she move on so fast? All of a sudden, she has a new guy. She's had a new guy. You've been out for a long time. So that's why you really have to learn to see those things. A, a, a telltale sign is la lack of love in the bedroom. You'll, I, I still have guys that hire from your coach. You know, I haven't, my wife hasn't touched me in two or three months and then I have to beg her for it. Guess what? When a woman loves you, it's the other way around. It's like, okay, sweetie, we've already done it five times today. It's 3 a.m. I'm up in a few hours. Let me fucking sleep. Like seriously, get your goddamn hands off me. Go to the other side of the bed. My sleep is important to me. My work is important to me. This dick is yours tomorrow again, but chill. Okay. That's how it is when women actually like you and they actually love you. So guys, if you're out there listening and you're deluding yourself and it's really sad because a lot of guys have never truly felt a woman's love before. Even in my marriage, I thought my wife loved me at some point. It wasn't until I started kind of coming across some of this content, doing the coaching, doing the courses, Guys, a bunch of us up here do co coaching and courses. For those of us on Instagrams, hit us up. We'll help you out there. But it, I, I think it was my girlfriend right after my marriage to where there was one night we were together and I realized, oh my God, this girl actually loves me. Like I have never felt this from her towards me before. And then now that's the requirement in my life. If I get anything less than that from a woman, she's gone. And this comment right here, this is very true for guys that are still kind of new to these topics where the woman breaks up and then all of a sudden, oh my God, where'd that come from? Women take a long time to break up. They have to secure your replacement. But for guys, you should be vigilant for this stuff. And if any little, if she starts to screw up, take note of it. And I'll, I'll let my girls know. I'll say, I'll say something like, hey, don't want to have a conversation. Not going to have a discussion. Just want to let you know I noticed this. And it's like, oh, what do you, I was like, what I just tell you? We're not going to discuss this. Just know that I have a hyperanalytical brain and I take note of these things. And I noticed that. So, and then that'll get her on eggs. You don't want your girl on eggshells, but that'll kind of get her on her toes. Like, oh shit. Like I'm not, I'm not with, I'm not with some fuck off man. I can't be doing this stuff. And if she does it again, like 
hey, you know what? We talked about this. It's very clear that you and I don't want the same things. We're not compatible. I wish you the best in life. And I hope you look, I hope you find what you're looking for. And then she's done. You drop her. And guys, when you have abundance in your life, when you have volume, you can do these things. You get to change the game around and be the sexual selector and the relationship selector. And that is a powerful place to come from because then you can't get got anymore. And it's fantastic to live life on those terms. And guess what? Once you get to that point, not only do the women you've always want come after you, but they can't leave you alone. It almost it almost gets annoying at some point. And again, soft pitch guys, click on the link below. If you want to learn how to do that, I have a whole digital seduction system that covers just that. But um, panel, I'd be curious to know your thoughts in terms of how has your view of relationships or the quality of your relationships changed since your divorce? I know there's a few guys up here where, yeah, we've learned the lessons the hard way, but now a lot of us are in relationships either one or multiple relationships or just a dating life that's fantastic it's it's something we could have never dreamed of before yeah absolutely <clears throat> a big thing that i've uh certainly learned like i'm i think i'm the older guy in the group here um the biggest thing i've learned is uh communication you want to lead a woman that is the number one way to have her uh, submit and let you lead the relationship is when you can communicate, when you can have those extremely difficult conversations, but control uh, your emotions, uh, can help control her emotions and keep everything safe. Being able to have those conversations that they know they want to have deep down inside, they don't know how to bring it up. Uh, they don't want to bring it up because they don't want everything flying off the handle and that sort of stuff. Um, when you can, when you can hold those conversations, create a a place where you're not going to fly off the handle and you're letting her know that, listen, things are not going the way they're, they should be going. We need to talk about this and, and you keep it safe for everyone involved and you get to the heart of the matter and you root it out and you solve it quickly. Um, that will change your relationship and that will make the woman literally let you lead things because they know at that point that they are completely safe uh, physically as well as they can discuss what they need to discuss. And, you know, we communicate differently than they do, but at the end of the day, um, we have to be able to communicate what we want from them and what they have to be able to communicate to us, what they want from us. And you have to be able to hold those conversations, uh, hear them and allow them to hear you. And above all, uh, that means maintaining control while you're having them and making it safe so that they can do it. Um, yep. So. I'm going to, I'm going to go through some, some more comments here then. And then, sure. yeah. And I think in terms of making girls feel safe, you have to be in your masculine. And when you're in yeah. your masculine, you draw her into her feminine and all of this stuff, like these are all symptoms of a sick society. None of this shit comes up when you actually know how to do this stuff. I never get the, Oh, this is not an equal relationship. What the fuck is that? That is, that is completely foreign to me. I haven't dealt with that since my wife at the gun range. No man's going to tell me what to do. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you basic gun safety tenants. Otherwise you're not stepping on the fucking range with me. What are you talking about? Who are you? Where are you from? Like you're, you're not even from this country, but you know, again, in my case, 90 days, you know, without me, someone got her, you know, that poisonous Western English speaking culture got a hold of her. And then once, once it gets you, you can't, you can't get rid of them. So just, just chuck her, get rid of her, get, get a girl that hasn't been tainted. And guess what? You will never have these problems. In fact, in the boundary setting thing, I was telling my roommate, um, <clears throat> Joel, he's here in the chat that the other day I started seeing a girl and she's been pursuing me most of the time, which when a girl really likes you, she will over pursue you actually. And it was to the point where, um, we were walking, walking her down in the car the other day. She came over and she wanted to stay the night. And I told her, well, I got to go out with friends. 
And she's like, well, I'd like to go out with them. And, and I told her, I was like, you know what? I like where we're at. I'm curious to see where we're going. I, I hope it goes somewhere good. It's like, but you still haven't convinced me that, and I grabbed her ass, that this is mine and only mine. And I just want to let you know that the type of girls that go out in public with me, they are 100% mine. Oh, well, you're dating other girls? Yes, she, she's bi too. So yes, I'm dating other girls. We already talked about that. That's not the discussion at hand. I'm just letting you know that you will get those privileges once you prove to me that you are not, I, I, in the word Spanish is like mujer compartida. So like you're not shared. It's like, I will not have communal women. I hang out with foreign groups and a lot of foreign guys, especially where I live, they like to like pass their girls around. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I've never been into that. So I have to be sure that, that you're, you're a good investment. And she did the, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's only yours. And, and I told her, I said, okay, again, I, I noticed things. So um, I met her in real life, but I noticed, and we, we, we just haven't seen each other a couple of weeks. So girls will do this. She had tender notifications going off on her phone. Oh, I'm just on there getting, getting to meet people. So I just made fun of her. I was like, okay, well, as long as you're still getting to meet people, you can come over, you, we, we can smash, and then you can leave. And then I'll take a girl who's worth two shits out in public with me. But I'm just letting you know. I like where we're at. I'm curious to see where it's going, but I am telling you right now that again, I grabbed her ass. If I'm 100, if I have the slightest doubt that this is not 100% mine and only mine and will be only mine, then this is all that's ever going to go, and you're probably wasting your time with me. She's like, "Well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do?" Like, exactly. You're, you're a smart girl. You know what needs to be done. So yeah, guys might say that sounds like simpy behavior. It's not. I'm setting the boundary and she is going to show up and act right. She has been doing well since then. But again, as guys set your boundaries and then take note, just note these things. You don't have to, you don't have to yell. You don't have to discuss. Just be like, Hey, this is how things are going to be. And if it's not, then that's fine. You can be the girl that slides over at the end of work. And then I'll, I'll, I'll pump and dump you. And then you're gone. You're back on the streets where you belong. And then I'll leave that space in my life for someone who's actually worth a shit. And that's how you have to treat these girls. And guess what, guys? When you lay down the line, they are begging for guys like this. So I was telling my roommate, again, for guys that are new to the game, this might sound foreign to you, but I'm kind of glad. I, I like hypergamy. I'm glad she's on Tinder. I'm glad she's entertaining other guys' advances because she will figure out really quick that there's no guy like me. And if she thinks there is, she's going to be dropped on her face very quickly or she's going to get in a really beta type relationship just like my wife saw me just like all of our wives saw us at some point she's going to be in that situation and then should be looking at guys like me as we retroactively alpha widow them continually leveling up in our life and then she'll be the girl you'll be that guy and guys we all know women in our lives family members female friends coworkers. there's always that one guy you know that that alpha widow guy you're going to be that guy and and I literally tell my girls in the moment you're doing a good job but I'm noticing things that might derail where this is going I can see months from now you've fallen in love with me. And when you get to that point, I'm letting you know in this moment that what you're doing now will make will mean that you never have a chance with me. So just laying it out there, not putting any conditions, just letting you know that for things to turn out how you want them to turn out, this is how they are going to be. And then just leave it at that. And then just watch her fall in line and then watch her fall in love with you. That's how you get them. But it requires that masculine energy. And when you do that, guys, you have no competition. No one else out there is doing that. She is yours. It's a superpower. And then you get to point your magical wand or your laser beam. Oh, that one. Boom, mine. And you know that you can have pretty much anyone you want. And that is, I mean, really, I think that's what most guys want in, in this, this dating realm, so to speak. Again, another spiel, another take. Oh, yeah. Feel free to address that point, guys. But that's that, that's my take on it. Yeah, I'll, I can jump in on it. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the uh, frame and game aspect. <clears throat> And uh, that's probably one of the main things that I lacked in my marriage. I lacked a lot of frame. Uh, I've, I've always questioned every little thing that I did. And of course, women do not want a guy who's second questions himself. 
So I did that even coming out of the military. I was pretty uh, strict. I was pretty um, arrogant as well as, you know, a, a bunch of other different traits that are actually useful um, to everyday life and talking to people. Uh, the communication part, I was pretty good at. I had no problem talking with people or talking in a uh, speech kind of environment. So when I, when I started losing frame, that's when uh, I, I lost, um, uh, I guess, my wife at the time. And that's where the, um, the decline was for me in my marriage. And it, it was looking back on it right now, I'm kind of glad it happened because if I had known, I'm pretty sure everybody else here would say the same thing. If I had known what I know now about that and dating or marriage in general, I would have been still with her. I probably have uh, more kids by this time, but uh, I'm glad. You know, I'm a lot healthier now. I have a better frame and game. You know, I got plates that I spend. Um, my money's um, getting there to where I need it, where I want it to be, and I have a, a whole lot more time than I used to. I mean, I don't have to do all the 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 equal um, jobs at the house. I mean, I did everything. Uh, just just to go back a little bit, um, I was uh, cooking, cleaning. Um, I hauled water, uh, hauled wood. You know, helped families on both sides, uh, and I was the more the most uh, the one that was providing the most. I would say. So that's that's just how you have to be as a man. And um, I heard uh, Nomi over there talking about like, um, what did you say? something along the lines of, um, you're a man. And, you know, that didn't click to me too until after, you know, after my marriage and after getting out of service and everything like that, you know, I, I would just naturally just have to keep going. And then of course, you know, on the decline, you're just like, oh man, I'm just going to drink. I'm just going to wallow in my self pity and, you know, be a little bitch and cry over here. But, uh, at the time, you know, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know this kind of uh, information was available. I didn't have that in my life. I didn't have that fatherly figure. So at the time, you know, I, I had no self-control over a lot of things, but now it's a lot different. And now I see things in a different perspective. I see the red flags <laughs> from my ex-wife. I mean, granted she's with the, uh, uh, her guy and I feel, you know, um, happy for them, honestly. I have no hate or discontent to any women at all whatsoever. Just like they say, you have to go about knowing what the uh, advantages and disadvantages of being with women or having women um, for that matter. Women are just trying to figure it out just like we are. So they're going off their own internal programming, oh, yeah. their societal programming, their emotions, just as men are. Like, again, again, I say, especially in newer or more recent generations the, the societal mold has kind of been broken it's been kind of bastardized so we're all trying to figure it out together so i'm this i'm in the same boat with you like when i every now and then my ex-wife will reach out to me you know she tries to hoover back and you know she realizes she made the wrong choice i'm sure you know deep down in her heart of hearts but it, it, it is what it is i'm better off for it but there's no there's no hate at all there's no animosity and i'm actually i'm glad she found someone at her equal because I've, it's funny after my divorce i've actually dated girls because i went through a no, me. I was kind of like you. I was depressed. I was hitting the bottle, not in the best shape. And there were girls that were still attracted to me. And I remember telling girls at the time, like, "Hey, I'm not my best right now. And the fact that you're attracted to me at this point means that you're not good enough for me in one year from now or from two years from now. So I don't want to break your heart. I am going to get out of this. But eventually, once I get out of this, 
you're not going to be at my level unless you're willing to go for, along for the ride with me. And most women aren't, then we'll just keep it casual for now. And it would always blow their minds when I'd say stuff like that. But I really, truly thought that after my divorce, like, hey, I'm in a low point in my life. I'm going to get out of it. But the fact that you're attracted to a fat alcoholic who eats fast food every night and just wallows in self-pity means that the version of me inside who's just waiting to come out, you'll get rejected eventually. So let's just, let's not take this any further. And it always, it always blew their minds saying stuff like that, but you have to think that way. I, I just wanted to add that like the hate point, uh, like hating on like, you know, woman. Yeah. I was at the point, like I, I started hating it. Like when she, and earlier we were talking about like, uh, we, we just don't know. And we just like, okay, let's be friends and just you know, still text each other and all that. But uh, I didn't know when I received the divorce paper. And that come out of nowhere. And at that point, I, uh, guys, I, I had no money in my pocket. Like I was literally had like just $5. And I was just figuring out like how the, that, uh, like how I'm gonna even afford it. So that that time, like I was started like just hating, like uh, first I was depressing and I just got my job and I started like building myself. And I just started hating like, man, this is, uh, why it's happening and why she's doing it. but. As I was just uh, as I was just got, got uh, progressing in life, and I realized, yeah, as a man, you have a struggle, and uh, uh, if you look at yourself like uh, if and you are you build yourself enough to take a responsibility, you will find a lot of claws in your side, and you 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 need to fix yourself first instead of just hating. Uh, and it's all like once you learn about the woman's psychology and. Uh, and this is and now I'm, I'm, I'm just I uh, know I need to be on my purpose. And instead of just be focusing on just uh, uh, she moved on, I moved on and uh, she she also got married with Richard are good luck and their relationship. And uh, I, I don't hold no grudge in my in my heart anymore because my mind is on a different side instead of just be focusing like why this happened. to me. So it's just like. Uh, moving on with life. Yeah, I'll, I'll say something real quick to that point before I have to go know me. When she said that, uh, let's keep texting and let's be friends other than because y'all have a child together. So you you have to remain in contact in some way, shape or form, you know, it doesn't. But why, why do you think she was doing that to ask you to uh, remain friends? Well, I, I, I was, uh, again, I was still was uh, trying to make the reconciliation, you know, point like so we can reconcile again and just come back and uh, just, in, you know, invited her, hey, come over and I'll cook for you and, you know, try to be a nice guy. Uh, but she said, it's not going to happen and uh, you got to move on. But she said, like, we can still be friends and just be text each other, ask her, uh, ask each other how how we doing. And since the baby involved in there, we I could ask her like, hey, could you bring a baby over? Uh, this is all that this this was a point, but uh, I didn't know that the behind the paywall, like she has a different things in mind. Like yeah, I, yeah, I, I was gonna say that. I mean, yeah. there, there's you know, you do have to stay in contact for the child, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be a friendship. Yeah, and but at the same time, uh, I wouldn't even allow that. You know, because mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I think there's sinister reasons behind that. She wants to stay involved in your life so she can get things that she can hold against you later on. She has leverage over you. Yeah, she, so she she's has taking leverage. your power still. You know, and I, I know it sounds good on paper that, hey, yeah, we'll remain friends, but yeah. it very rarely can happen. 
you know, I'll tell you, one of the biggest red flags that I will see in a woman if I see on her profile or talk, oh well we're divorced but we're still best friends the only female <laughs> okay. friends right. I've ever had are women that I don't want to hook up with and they yeah, want to exactly. hook up with me like yeah friend zone does work if you're the one friend zoning but any girl I ever hang out with like guys if you see me post a girl on Instagram we're together in the physical sense there's no friendship type thing unless it's like friends of their friends but most of my girls are by and eventually the friends come in the mix and that's how you have to play it. Know me in your situation. For guys like you, I always say be friendly, but don't be friends. If she was really your friend, she never would have done what she did to you. Friends don't do that shit to each other. And guys, and I know this is the fantasy. Exactly. I went the same thing in my divorce. Maybe someday she'll realize her what she did and then she'll try to right her wrongs. She will do that at some point, but she's not going to do it by you trying to get her back. If reconciliation is still in your mind, if it's still part of your language, get rid of that now. Chew it up, spit it out, stomp it into the ground, let the rain wash it away. It is never to be seen or never to exist in your mental framework again, because that means that you are still giving away your power. And what you're doing is reinforcing her decision to leave you in the first place. You're pushing her away further and further. If you do want to reconcile, which is funny, the minute you don't want to reconcile is when women will present it to you. You got to move on. You, get, you got to level up. You got to build the body, build the frame, build the finances. And then once she sees you out with hotter women or she sees that, like in my case, you know, dating multiple hot women and younger and more feminine and fit and just far better human beings at their core than any of my past relationships, then they reach out. Hey, what's up? Oh, what have you been up to? Or, oh, hey, they, they won't even. It's funny. They won't even mention the falling out or how it was their fault. They'll never bring that up. They will bring it up. For example, when you're going through a divorce, you're, you're thinking like, okay, well, we had we had such a good thing and you just want it to get back to that point. Well, when years go on and then she sees you're leveling up and reconciliation is no longer on your framework because you realize, oh, even, even the girls I get on my worst day are far superior than the girls I used to get on my best day. Then that's when she'll come up and and she'll start presenting those things that fantasy used to have when you were going through the divorce of if she just saw, if she just realized, and if she just came around and did her part, we could be a happy thing. She will fit into that framework years down the line, but you have to eliminate any of those ideas from your head of reconciliation, because as long as you're thinking along those lines, not only is it not going to happen, you're just going to push her further away and make things worse. Like you, like I said, oh, be yeah. friendly. Don't be friends. Don't be friends. Yeah. Be, be I, I can be add to that too. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. You first. Uh, thanks. Uh, so, like, be kind, be civil, be friendly, mm. uh, and just leave it at that. You know, leave it, almost leave it like, if, uh, I hate to say it, but as a business, be on a, on a neural, I would say, neutral level. Mm. Don't, don't go anything before that. Because if, if you're like, oh, it didn't work out, and then you want to, See, that's kind of a nice guy thing. You're mm. you're like quitting it multiple times. And hey, I, I was there. It was like five or six times previously I I was uh, meeting with lawyers and I, I I I fired them like six times, man. And now finally I had I, I grew some cojones mm. and when it's done, it's done. Cut the cord and uh, that's it. And one question to Jaron actually um since i'm in my process with my thing uh, is there a likelihood that my uh somewhat significant other may pop up in my life uh, a couple of years in the future curious i'll open this to the panel too in my case i always i always tell all my guy friends my coaching clients and guys in the community um they always come back 
She will pop up at some point. That doesn't necessarily mean she wants to reconcile that she's going to realize that she was wrong. And then, oh my God, she has a hot streak all of a sudden. But women like to keep tabs on guys from their past. Um, if we're honest, a lot of guys kind of do that too, because it, it's a benchmark. It lets you know where she's at. So let's say the guy she left you for, he's not doing as well as you are. He's getting kind of dumpy. Guess what? If she destroyed you, the next guy's in for the same thing. Because guys that know better don't allow that to happen. They don't even entertain girls like that. These girls are pump and dump. They're one night stands, maybe friends with benefits at best, but they don't make it past the vetting process once they get with guys that know what the hell is going on. These girls aren't getting the top shelf guys. And the reason I was divorced is because I wasn't a top shelf guy at that point. I wouldn't even say I am now because that would indicate that it's time for me to stop learning. I'm always learning. I just released a dating course. I recorded a few weeks ago, took a while to uh, uh, edit it, put it in post, clean it up, post put it on the teachable site and everything. Guess what? I've learned things since then. In fact, I'm constantly bugging the guys. Hey, we need to add this. Like, no, it's done. It's done. You can do another version, but you're always learning. And when she gets a guy in the same frame that she had you in before, the same thing's going to happen to him. She's going to, she's going to grow resentment. The relationships are going to come complacent. It's going to get stale. She's things that she used to find endearing of her new man is going to start driving her nuts. She will do things to start pushing him away just like she did you. And then all of a sudden she's going back through her Rolodex like, oh, let's see what this guy's up to. And it's not like she's doing it in the front of her head. It's not like she's sitting down with her girlfriends. Like, Women do do this sometimes over brunch. You got to be careful for, for B words at brunch. Like there's YouTube channels called bitches at brunch. That's why I use that term. They're actually quite funny. Uh, it gives you powerful insight into how like some of these chicks work. But uh but it's not necessarily like she's going through a checklist in her head. It's just, it just comes up like, Hey, I wonder what Jaren's up to. I wonder what he's got going on. There's a guy, you know, better when they reach out. I had, a, I have, I went to college down here like 20 years ago. I had an ex-girlfriend come over the other day and it was to the point where I, I couldn't hook up with her. She's grossly overweight. She's really let herself go. She's probably watching right now because she, she, she actually cheated on me back in the day. So I dropped her immediately. Still had game when I was 19. Dropped her immediately. I was playing baseball in the Mexican leagues. Okay, some chick's cheating on me. Like, you're gone. You're out of here. 20 years later, she's popping up. Oh, my God, I've always loved you. No, I could always see us being together. And I'm just like, you're, you're not – you don't even meet my minimum threshold, which is hilarious for me because now I have all the power. And she's not going to get better. Like, the, the guys she's dated since me, they don't hold a candle to me. She – and she, she's just, she's a depreci depreciating asset and I'm a continually rising asset. And the more that gap becomes wider, the more they're going to come back and reach out to you. Hey, we had a good thing. My ex-wife, I don't know if the guy she's with watching, I'm sure he follows me every now and then too, because he's not at my level. He never was. I think she had some low self-esteem too, looking back at that situation. I was in a low point. I was in a rut. I had some business stuff that went on. My brother was wounded in service. So I was down outside of the marriage in other areas of my life. And then she took advantage of that. So I, I forgot to include that in my opening spiel. But now everything's going well. These women notice those things. And then they realize, okay, well, this, this is a hand I folded on. But let's see if I can get dealt this hand again. As a guy, you just have to know that you, she will never have that opportunity again. When I was early in Red Pill one-on-one days, there was, oh, what is it? Uh, back on the Reddit forums, there was something about like the, the fundamental rules of Poon or some shit like that. It's had some goofy name, but um, or it was plate theory. I think it was called plate spinning theory. But essentially it is once a girl gets to a certain point in your life, if she screws it up, you can demote her, but she will never be promoted again. I have a girl coming to stay with me on Wednesday. I've been seeing her for eight years. She was my girlfriend for a month, immediately caught her texting ex-boyfriends, literally dumped her. We were driving in Tijuana. I lived in San Diego at the time. I dumped her on the side of the road, drove back to San Diego. And then since then, she's been perfect, begging me anything. Oh, how do I get back in your life? You're the man for me. I can't believe I did that for eight years. And guess what? She knows she will never be my girlfriend again. 
that is she was already she was already there so girls you got to fit them in the right buckets like hey i screwed up i thought you were a girl from material you're great you're great fun material we have a great time together i absolutely adore i adore being with her i have a fantastic time with her far better treatment than any at any point when we were when we were in a relationship but guys you have to be relentless about that so yes they will reach back out and it's up to you with what you want to do with that a lot of guys say oh you know once she's an ex always an ex i let exes back into my life just so they can they can get a front row seat to see what they lost and know they can never have it again and then they get to see the girls that took their place and that that all that power you gave away to her you get that back and you keep it and then now she's given power to you when the ex-girlfriend like last week came over, oh my God, oh, you, you just get hotter by the day. God, I thought you were in good shape at 19. Uh, bitch, I've been in this body for 20 more years. I know how it works now. Like, and I'm still learning. I'm still getting better. And you, like, whoo, you've gone the other way. So yeah, I will give her the gift of that reminder in her face because that gives me power. I know it sounds egotistical. I don't give a shit. It feeds the ego and it feeds you as a man, when women give that want, that will, that desire away. And guess what? She tried to take that from me 20 years ago. And all of my exes have reached out at some point. So, hey, you know what? You created a void in me. So now let's turn the tables. Like, yeah, it's a game, guys. That's why they call it game. Play the game to win. And when you do, you eventually start winning. Did that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, I, I could <laughs> jump in on that. No, another rant. Yeah. yeah, dude, I love when you follow up with my stuff. I know you and I think a lot alike. I got I got to run, gentlemen. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, I got I got a meeting in about five ten minutes. I got to be at so. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, we can start wrapping too. This is going a lot longer, it's, but uh, it's been great. You guys flowing. carry on. It's been great. Good stuff. Yeah, when it flows, I just let it go. Yep. Catch you guys later. Yeah, Bentley. Yeah, take care, Bentley. And uh, just uh, the addition to that point, like again, uh, to like uh, leveling up and uh, you know seeing uh, seeing you seeing you like a uh, balling like a. Uh, like crazy and then you just become hotter and this and that like kind of thing and at one point in my life when i didn't know when i didn't come to this kind of space and i was thinking like it's over and i was i was 23 at that point and i thought like it's over there is no more than that like i, I my life is totally devastated like uh, i couldn't know couldn't do more than that but uh, that when i come and aware of this space and uh, the content and uh, like i realize like man this shit is serious like it's real like you can really as a man you can build yourself like from the scratch and you and and there's more good in life to do than just be like a, just sitting and being a, just consuming like a hateful and negative thoughts in yourself and just go in the world and learn about the stuff and leveling up yeah. in life and yeah now i think like man that was the best decision ever happened like she did a favor to me <laughs> and now like oh, now i'm learning about the stuff and uh, man going out and working I, I think that was the best ha thing ever happened uh, rather yes. than when i look back just think that uh know me though that's only a part of your life that's going to end there's so many more chapters in the book in that bible of a book that's that's gonna have your your happy ending that's gonna have your ending that you're gonna write that you're gonna author and that you're gonna publish and people people are gonna be selling it by it's gonna be a new, a new york bestseller think of it that way this is just a little a little footnote in the whole book of nomi so um Keep your mind there, man. It's 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 just gonna be better and, and uh, 
more more uh more uh sun sunsets to come in just remember Nomi, you 10 years from now will hardly recognize you in this moment right now that you're going through and i've been familiar with your journey over the last what year a couple of years since i've gotten to know you uh you're just getting started my friend <laughs> like it's how old are you you're 26 27 yeah I I, i'm 26 i'm 26 what now when the divorce got final i was a baby yeah, when you when you turn thirty, the whole game changes. Yeah. It just it's just it's just on easy mode, and the older you get, the easier it gets. But like I say, for myself, you get better every Definitely day. You does. learn more about yourself, and you you have more experience, you know, with women, but not just women in every aspect of your life. And then you the, these problems these, just get stronger. This, yeah, this the series of bad decisions that led you into the place you are now. Those just don't happen anymore. And then you learn to recognize good opportunities and only entertain good opportunities. And then once you update the internal operating system or mental framework, these types of women don't even come on your radar. No. I, I I get guys in the comments all the time. Uh, they'll say things like, "Oh, Jaren has to pay for sex in Mexico." I don't even come across those girls. I, I live in one of the nicest neighborhoods in the whole country. Those girls aren't around here. Mm. Yeah, sometimes they are. I think I was coming out of the bathroom the other day at a restaurant, and uh, <laughs> some girl flagged me down. I went and got her number, and then uh, I, I texted her to meet up in the week. She's like, "Oh yeah, I'm working." I'm like, "Well, cool. I work too. What do you do?" She's like, "Oh no, no in Spanish." She's like, "I'm working." I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, never mind." And then just that, that's it. But that rarely happens. That's again, these girls, because when, when you get your internal stuff put together, then you project that out in the universe and people, broken women, busted ass women. Some guy told me the other day, Oh, you're, you're telling guys to go through random, ran through women. I've never said that on this channel. No, go for women that are going to give you ha healthy, happy relationships. Now, if you think that's busted, ran through women, you know, whoever made that comment, then you've, you've got some issues. Uh, you're probably not, you're probably not having a very good love life or dating life, but a lot of guys are like that. Um, know me for like, for example, this comment here, you get losers like this shit all the time. Like, okay, this person doesn't have a profile picture. Why is that? Because they're probably not shit. I, I put my profile picture on everything. I use my real name on the channel. Why? Because I am solid in my core being and I put myself out there. Cornelius, if you want to call in, if you disagree with anything I'm saying, I would love to have this discussion with you. But these type of people, they're not going to because they're not at our level. And granted, YouTube is a public forum, but in your real life, people like that, they just don't come onto your radar. They don't exist because they know that you're so far above them that by being in your physical presence, one, you don't even notice them. And two, if they do, then you'll just shine a light on their in, in their imperfections. And that's a really scary thing for those types of people. So thank God you didn't go down that rabbit hole, my friend. You're starting to go more towards the positive side. But once you get this stuff together, I know people say this all the time. Jaren, you have an attitude. No, I don't. I've got two eyes connected to a fucking brain. And I've been in, I've been in this body for 36 years. I've been in the world and I've been <laughs> I've had the shit kicked out of me a few times. You learn along the way. And this stuff doesn't ever happen again. Yeah. In fact, again, at some point the tables turn and you get to design the exact life you want and the world conspires to give it to you. It's really quite fantastic when you get to that point. And I really hope you're going to get to that point. And I think you are going to get to that point sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, I, I like that. and I think you've made a really great. Um, you you recognize that it, it's done. Hmm. Done is done. Yeah. And um, the fact that you know, some guys just don't want to accept it. And, and you, you read the, the, the paper and it's, it's clear. And uh, I'd like to commend you on that. And you know what, it's all, all, all what it, it happens is that it's maybe got destroyed by whatever, but the thing is now is the time for you to rebuild. Oh yes. And, and this is your construction phase. The destruction happened. Now you're going to construct it. And now it's, 
you're going to be like uh, Trump's towers. So uh, it's like I said before, man, it's, uh, it's a building f phase and it's, it's just going to it's going to look up from here. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I realized that like when I put myself out there and I say like, man, like earlier I was speaking, like uh, I had a like mindset of bucket uh, crab in a bucket. Like I didn't never thought like, oh, this kind of thing possible. Oh, this is exist. Oh, this kind of person. And uh, one thing was, was like, uh, really, I was really a nice guy, like a yes to everything. I learned like to say no. And I set the boundaries. Like uh, if I'm speaking with somebody and if I... If there is like something like getting personal, I, I put this, I put, I tell them like, no, stop it right here. We got to stop it right here. So I think that this is a, like a, a, the level uh, I'm at right now. Like I, it's still a learning phase. And I, I, I earlier, uh, your point, it's just a book. There is a lot of chapters coming and I, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with that. But this chapter of my life, I, uh, I have learned enough uh, through my story and other guys this will never i'm not gonna get run run over by anybody that's that's for sure like in my early coming life but other 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 uh other stages of life like uh, adversities is just a part of life and i'm ready for that i forgot to say this i it just passed my mind before but pain uh and necessity and trauma it all comes from it, it the the yeah. equal effect is growth so you're never going to grow, you're never going to change if you don't have pain, necessity, or trauma. And I don't know what kind of uh, pain or, or necessity you've gone through, but it's, don't think of it, it maybe not the results you wanted, mm. but it's going to turn into something much better than possibly what you viewed it before. Mm. That's, that's what I wanted to say before. I, I love that. And I say it all the I, time I would, too. When I was a kid, I used to get growing pains, like in my ankles or like the growth plates or whatever. And I, I, I would writhe in pain. I remember my parents would tell me it's growth. You know, they, they call them growing pains for a reason. So yes, pain, pain is a good thing as long as you steer it in the right direction. My bad, Tony, you can go ahead. I, I would, are you good? Uh, I would say that uh, for men, that that's, that's what it would benefit more for men. The, the pain, the growing, the trauma from that uh, a lot more than it would for women. Mm. Uh, just going back to what you were talking about earlier, uh, I had a, I didn't know my value uh, at all when I was, you know, my marriage. Uh, I'm six foot, you know, 195, 190. Um, I have a nice athletic build, you know, present myself very gentlemanly. When I go out there and I started meeting women, I didn't know my, what my value was. I didn't know what kind of, you know, guy I was. Just like Jaren was talking about earlier. If you, if you can be fit, athletic, um, you got money, you know, you're very stable in life, um, whether it be with yourself, your kids, your finances, uh, your game or frame or whatever, you are actually up there um, within, I don't know, I would say 20% of the guys uh, who can pick up girls. It's just that those guys don't have the confidence to do so. They don't have the ability to, to talk to them. They don't have the ability to present themselves. They don't have that kind of communication. They don't have that uh, stature to do so. And a lot of the times, too, some of the guys that I talk to, they have like the squeaky voice. Like, hey, guys, how's it going? My name is Tony. 
you know, and the, of course, ladies aren't going to be attracted to that. So you have to build yourself as a man in all aspects of the, of the, I would say seven spokes. So, um, and a lot of the times, you know, you don't want to go back to uh, somebody who caused you drama. You don't want to have that coming back. It's like, you know, taking a knife, sticking it out, and you're just pulling it out, pulling it out. And that same person, all they're going to do is push it back in. So you get stabbed again by the same person. You usually just want to leave it as much as it hurts you uh, mentally or emotionally, spiritually, however way that it will hurt you, because it will. It comes right around, kicks you in the butt again. And you just leave it. You know, take it out, throw it, and let yourself heal. Uh, honestly, like uh, Jaren was talking about earlier, you can keep them around, some of them. Um, I wouldn't recommend all of them, but I have an uh, uh, ex-wife and a, an ex that watches my stories and um, on a different platform. And every time I'm out, you know, in Vegas or Texas or wherever I have functions, I'm always dressed up here and there. Uh, I don't post my pictures too much on on uh, my other socials, but uh, they, I can see them looking at my stories. And every time it's like when something I'm here or there, I tag the place and like, okay, well, of course they're still, you know, looking at me. You're still looking when you have like a, a physical feat, when you have a financial feat or any kind of your success that makes you smile, it actually hurts them to see you smile. And then they're still stuck in the same place or worse. You know, I'm like, man, I should have been, I should have stayed with him. I should have been, you know, there for him when I was, you know, out, um, get my guts beaten by Joe Schmo over there. Who's, uh, who's not at our level. Who won't be at the levels that we are already making our way up to. So always keep that in your mind, man. Just let him, leave him. Sometimes it's going to hurt, you know, and a lot of times you're just going to have to go through, um, what is it called? Uh, winitis. Uh, and you're going to have to leave that, you know, you're going to have to grow from it. And if you're going to go through in another relationship, it's better just to, you know, date rather than the whole marriage aspect. It's, it's not worth it. You know, even then you have to kick a frame uh, very seriously with that. And if they're going to ask you questions where like, oh, hey, where do we stand? Or what do you want in a relationship? Well, that's that's something I always get asked a lot. I'm like, what do you want in a relationship? And I tell them like, uh it's way too early for you to be asking questions mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to, you have to earn your, your right to want to ask that question. That's like, okay, well, what do you, if you're going to ask those questions, I have a hard questions to ask for you too as well. And mm -hmm. usually most of the time they can't answer it. None of them, you know, and like just hypothetical scenarios where, where it has to deal with family or friends or you know, if, if this happened to, to me at this point, Point, what what is your response mm -hmm. you're like uh i don't know i'm not gonna do anything like okay well right off the back they don't know you know how to handle how to handle certain situations or how to handle their own emotions so you have to ask questions that reflect back to you yeah. in order to see how they're gonna react or play out or the way even to think okay if they say oh f this f that i'm not gonna be a part of it well, that's a clear indication where you know you don't want to have that yep. person in your life. I think on another point, uh, Nomi, uh, you may have lost a potential relationship, 
but then you're gaining so much more. Um, for me, for me for personally, what I found, um, I totally, I don't know, ego invested or I invested so much into my, my marriage, my relationship, but then I didn't have any, much else going on. Mm. I'm finding out I'm, I like archery. Maybe I'm going to go to, to a shooting range. I've, I've, I've always been working out, so I'm working out. Fill other things like hobbies or interests, masculine hobbies, like maybe martial arts, that make you more of a well-rounded individual mm. versus just one thing. Of course, you need to make bank and money status, looks, game, all that stuff. But the thing is, find things that make you more complete that's that i think that would be the biggest kind of takeaway in, in my opinion um yeah i think that's fantastic advice and you have to be careful too because i went down this road after my divorce like okay it did hurt it left a void in me so i, I was going to fill this so i'm going to get really good at game and i rushed up i racked up a ridiculous notch count again it's all outlined in this dating course that, that i dropped recently i'll put a link down there here in a second but then it got to the point like okay well and i'm glad i'm glad i went through that even after the divorce because now like i know a lot about women i've had a lot of relationships good uh -huh. bad ugly anything in between short term long term multiple long term three ways throuples you know what all of that shit. And now it's like, all right, I know exactly what I want. Not only that, I had a scary thought this summer. Is like, you know what? If I wanted to go back and get married again, I can actually do it and it would actually work. And I could actually have what I wanted in that first marriage. I could have the wife, the two kids, the white picket fence, cars in the garage, the American dream. I can do that because I've developed the skill set in doing so. But what I'd recommend to you is not going too far down that route. Like James said, be a well-rounded person, develop other parts of yourself. I've been doing the same thing in the meantime, but I did give a lot of energy to that. Okay. I have to fix the women area of my life to the point now where it's like, I don't really have to do anything. They're just, they're just always kind of around because once I started balancing myself out, that was really what leveled me up in terms of creating attraction triggers for women. And again, that's just not a part of my life I have to worry about. And then Part, going back to Tony's point in terms of, yeah, it doesn't matter. She will reach out at some point, be friendly with her, whatever. But a lot of these women, they, they are human too. And this is contrary to what you hear from a lot of other content creators. But as they get older, okay, yeah, they hit the wall, whatever. They mature. As men, we mature. You, you get more experience. You get new, new, you see more nuances and more insight and have just more of a broader spectrum review of how the universe works. And you learn from your errors. And most people, girls and guys, do do that to some degree. That's more of a case by case, I'd argue, individual basis rather than male versus female one. But I've had plenty of girls that have come back in the fold and they, they know they screwed up. Mm -hmm. they, or, or in the moment, like there's again, things I'm doing in the moment, I know how I'm going to look at this five years from now, 10 years from now. Like the example I gave with the girl the other day, the other night, I told her, like, hey, this is a snapshot in time. I know exactly the way things are going. In three months, she's going to fall in love with me. And then if she screwed up in this moment, so I'm giving her little checkpoints. I'm giving her little breadcrumbs to lead her down the path she thinks she wants to go because I want her to win too. Like I, I dig the girl and she digs me. So um, Tony's point is like you, you, you got to steer them in the right direction. And when you ask girls these serious things, you know, what are your morals? What are your values? What would you do in these situations? They're, they're not saying they don't know because they're dumb or they're trying to manipulate you necessarily. It's that they truly don't know. Most guys don't do this stuff. By virtue of us having these conversations, we are separating ourselves from every other guy out there i mean you see you see the kind of lovely comments this type of com content gets it's because we were on to something that other guys aren't and again when you shed light on on darkness then 
the, the, the only thing it can do is try to shed more darkness on you. But light, light always beats darkness at the end of the day. And women want to be led. That whether it be spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, some of the new girls I'm I'm seeing, my dates are all free. What, hey, what, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to the gym. Oh, cool. Well, I wanted to see you. Oh, I'm not going to go out and get drunk on a Tuesday. You can go go to the gym with me. I'll train you, and then come over. I'll cook dinner. I'll show you how to map out a current diet. Guess what? I'll just put you on the same macro plan I am. I have good body composition. When she does that enough, she strings a few days together. We get we have really good sex and have a good night's sleep. They always wake up in the morning like big bright smile on their face, like oh my god, like. What is that? I feel so good when I'm with you. And then they don't want to leave. Well, why is that? And guess what? All that feminist shit, all of that equality stuff, that all goes out the window when she feels good. And she does that when you were leading her. So again, whether you're thinking reconciliation or not, whatever your situation is, focus on you, do your best, level up, be the best version of yourself. And women can literally feel your emotions in real time. So once you start feeling good about yourself and you're walking around like you're the shit, and not just you think you are, that you know you are. Like when I used to play baseball down here, I walked around school like I was the shit, but I actually was. And people, the universe reflected that back to me and it created a positive feedback loop. Whereas in the divorce, I felt like a piece of shit and the universe reflected that back to me. And that was a negative feedback loop. So it's all about momentum, my friend. And just realize like, okay, you might not be the shit now, but God damn it, bro, you're on your way. So just keep doing that. Keep doing the things that a man of that nature would do. Visualize or idealize yourself in your head. Hold that vision firmly. When I was 100 pounds overweight years ago, the way I look now, I held that vision firmly in my head. And then one day I woke up in my mid-20s like, holy shit, I'm that guy I imagined when I was 15. Like, it just kind of happens. So if you do that, then guess what? Not only will your ex-wife all of a sudden see you in new light, but other women will too. And then you can just take your pick at that point. And then once you have the options, kind of like when – when, when you turn the game on its head, you get a taste of how women experience the game from the time they're very young. You realize you don't want most of those options. You get to be really selective. And then just, most of the time, you're just off to be by yourself <laughs> because it's a lot more peaceful. Or the woman knows she has to bring a lot to the table to get your time, attention, money, resources, sexual energy is a huge one too. And she'll step up and you will see she could have trashed her boy for her last boy from the same way your wife trashed you, the same mind did mine. But with you, with that energy you're putting out there, she shows up a completely different person and she likes being that person. She wants to be that person. And if all men were that way, guess what? Divorce wouldn't exist. Yeah. I got one last thing. I could. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start rapping too. Yeah, I'm going to let alone. <clears throat> That's sweet. Um, most of the times, the reason why you know they leave us is because we're not on our purpose. We're not yeah. doing what we're you know out you know doing that. Whether it be continuing our physical fitness uh, journey, um, our financials, or you know we're getting lazy, or you know we're starting to play video games all the time. We don't have any you know guy friends that we converse with, um, anything like that. Uh, we mentioned the gym and martial arts too. Um, those are all very um, good things that that men should be going towards you know, instead of like having uh, weekend uh, barbecues every I don't know football season, being out with the boys all the time, or going to the clubs, you know, stuff like that. You know, you're wasting money for one thing, you're wasting time for another, and then the other thing, you know, those other resources can be um, pushed to something that be more beneficial to you and your let's say your spouse or girlfriend or whatever. So like, for example, you know, um, I would say for me, it was more of, you know, I need, I need to bring the attention and the, uh, the good things back to, back to the home. You know, I was just stressed out all the time. I was, 
getting sick, you know, I did everything. Even when I was out and about, uh, I wasn't happy. So I, I, I'm, I'm very happy now. You know, I have no, no remorse. I have no hate or discontent to anybody or anything. I have a lot more time on my hands. I get to play with the kids and see them all, all the time when I need to or want to. And for the most part, I w- I'm, I'm on my path now. And I have the ability to go out and um, do whatever I want, whenever I want. If my if my work doesn't impede um, too much into, it. and even that, I always put work above uh, relationships or the women I'm dating now. Like, hey, um, can you come see me here and there, or I would like to see you on this day. Like, well, I'm busy on this day, but um, uh, I'll give you a call or text you whenever I'm available. And they know that you're on your purpose. Because sometimes, like, I'll show it, or you know, I'll be in a in a suit tie. You know, I'll be out doing this and that. There's pictures of me, you know, getting lectured or giving lectures. So you know, you have to be a leader and a follower at the same time. You know, in in that aspect of life. So you have to be able to continue your um, your journey uh, on. Kind of lost it um, for your life. You know, don't make anybody a priority unless you have, I would say, children. Of course, you know, you're going to want to be there. Your kid's an extension of you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, But if you're, I would say, if you're married, even then, don't give your, don't make your wife a priority. You know, if she's got work and you got work, I would say, go work. Do that. Make sure the bills are paid. That's your job to make sure that pays. I mean, she can say, hey, here's the money. All right, give me the money. Let's do this. This is how it's going to split up. This is what's going to go on make goals you know short goals weekend goals month goals like hey we're gonna make we're gonna make two grand here and we're gonna have a wicked weekend on this then i'm gonna buy you this dress we're gonna do this the kids are gonna be here we're gonna do that and they're gonna be like oh snap oh i like this i like this that way they don't have to think about it they don't have to get uh the emotions into it. you have to be the guy to set the frame to be able to go and do what you want to do whether and it's just little things or big things in life. That's a good point, too, Tony. You touched on it. I, I don't have kids, but um, for know me for, for your kid. Like, be the model of who that kid wants to be. Like, especially a young boy. That they, they, they emulate the strongest oh, yeah. role model in their life. So, if you're, I, I know it's tough when you're coming out the tail end of a divorce. Sometimes you do like the motivation. You feel kind of shitty. It's it's hard to get out of bed and, you know, spring, spring, spring out in the world with a smile on your face, but it gets better as you go along. But I mean, if, if anything, do it for your kid, because he'd be like, holy shit, like my dad weathered this storm. Whereas in my parents divorced a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of us up here that have been divorced probably are products of divorce, too. You just kind of model the behavior that your, your parents set forth you as a child, at least in most cases. But it completely destroyed my dad. And I got to a point for me in my own internal development. I had to remember the last memory I had as a kid of my dad, like seeing him at his best, because of course, being raised by a single mom, it's always, oh, he's a piece of shit. He's an asshole. He's a fucking loser. Never amounted to anything. You, they, they build that framework in your head. It was like, but then especially finding this stuff, you go through like, I remember my dad being happy. I remember him being healthy. I remember him being charismatic. I remember him like women really liked him. Men liked him. I remember he was the shit at the gym and all of the most attractive women swooned over him. So I just embodied that element of my dad. You know, he took off, unfortunately, when I was a lot younger, but I did have memories of him being his best and decided, boom, it's, it's already inside of you. So everything you're doing now, you're setting the framework for who the kind of man your kid's going to grow into be. So use that as some motivation too. And then 
I was going to wrap real quick, but I see a new face up here. So bring him onto the stage and then uh, get your two cents. Hey, Louisiana Gringo, how are you doing? That's an awesome name. I'm doing good, man. What about you? Uh, doing fantastic. We were just about ready to wrap, but we can, we can bring up a new topic real quick because I, I don't recognize you. You haven't been on the show before, have you? No, I'm actually new to your content. Oh, cool. <laughs> where, where, where'd you find me? YouTube. I'm actually doing some dating in Mexico, so I probably started awesome. related to that, and I found you. Where, um, where in Mexico are you located? I'm moving to Monterey in like five weeks. I'm in San Antonio right now. Okay, cool. Yeah, Monterey is like the Mexican equivalent of San Antonio, so it'll be a, it'll be a smooth transition for you. Yeah, yeah. I was there like five months ago. I liked it a lot. Yeah, Mexico is such a chill lifestyle. You'll, you'll have a good time. Well, I'm glad you found me at the gringo content. I, I used to do like the, the Manosphere red pill stuff. I'm, I'm starting to switch more down that avenue because a lot of stuff I hear on those channels, I don't even watch that media anymore because it, it just doesn't relate to my lifestyle down here. That the, Some of the things you hear like these TikToker girls, these gold diggers, like I just, I haven't come across that in so long that it's just, it doesn't resonate with me. But I figured there's a mark because I see gringos come down all the time and get taken by these chicks. So I'm like, all right, you know, I can probably help these guys out or, or just find cool guys to hang out with, you know, when they come to Mexico, that, that too. Because once you remove yourself mentally from the United States culture, it's a complete world outside of that bubble. And things are a lot, things are a lot nicer. They're a lot more chill uh, when you're outside of that culture. I, I think, unfortunately, it's a cancerous culture right now, but different topic for a different day. So, Hey, what'd you want to present? Did you just want to come up and say hi? Do you have a question? Want to offer some, some words of wisdom? It's Jaron's dating course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there you go. Right. Right. But I actually do have a question. I'm actually kind of yep. worried about driving in Mexico. I bought a dash cam for, um, you know, just for my own reasons. Like if I need some evidence for court or something like that, but, uh, do you have any tips? Cause I'll be driving from San Antonio to Monterey. Uh, yeah, a couple. Is it a is it a U.S. car you're bringing down? Yeah, I'm not sure. Does Monterey fall within like that free trade zone to where you don't have to nationalize the car? Or do you plan on keeping it down here for an extended period of time? Like, are you permanently relocating, or are you going to go back and yeah. forth? Permanent re relocation. I don't think they have the um, the free trade thing. I think that's only in Tijuana. Yeah, that's that's Tijuana in San Diego. Yeah, because I used to I had an apartment in Tijuana too, and then I just take my car down there, and you know that's kind of it's like an international border zone. Um, I'd say it depends on the type of car you have. If it's something really exotic or really rare to get, you might want to just consider leaving it home either way. Um, if it's something, you know, like a Toyota Corolla, it might be a pain in the ass if you have to nationalize it. So look into that, see what it'll cost you. It's a drawn out process. Even if it doesn't cost a lot of money, I just renewed my residency the other day, just back and forth, back and forth in the immigration office. So it's a giant time sink. Um, it might be worth it. Again, look into this, but it might be worth it just to sell your car in the U.S., come down with an envelope of cash, buy it down here. Make sure you have Mexican insurance and a good policy down here. They work more on Napoleonic type law to where if you are if you're accused of something criminally, then it is the, the onus is on you to prove yourself innocent, not the other oh, yeah. way around, like in the U.S. So a uh, dash cam is probably a good idea. If you're Monterey is a pretty nice city. If you're living in a nice neighborhood, you should be OK with like theft or whatever. Um, if like here I have like two I have like two garages here in the condo building. There's plenty of security, armed security. So I have my guest park here. I've never once thought about theft or anything like that. It's just not gonna happen here. Um so Mexico, it's like the US. There's good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods. As far as the highways, stick to the toll roads. Those are heavily patrolled. They're much nicer roads, so you won't put wear and tear on your car. If you go off the beaten path like little pueblos and shit, uh those roads aren't as nice sometimes. So your suspension will wear, your brakes will wear, all of that. So Keep all of that stuff in mind and then definitely, um, yeah, make sure you have Mexican insurance. A lot of Americans come down here without it and then 
they get into problems and Mexican insurance is really cheap. And then if you get in an accident, actually, usually the police don't come, the insurance companies come okay. because it's not really, it's not, it's not a criminal thing. It's a, it's a traffic thing, unless you maliciously mm. tried to run someone off the road, then that's criminal, but you'll see cars, they get in that, they drive like shit down here. So you see accidents all the time and the, they, the, the insurance adjusters come and they just work it out with themselves on the side of the road. So a um, little different culture there. So those are all things to take into consideration and, I could talk a lot more on the subject, but de definitely look into at least those those things to start off. Okay. Yeah, Tijuana is second on my list. You know, it's way easier to drive down there. It's got the free trade thing, but I noticed yeah. it seems like less women speak English over there. Oh, in Tijuana? Um, so, some do, yeah. I think Monterey is more of kind of a higher class city. So Mexico is ba definitely based on the class system. Monterey is... Traditionally in the north, they're more, let's say, uh, European background. So in the north, you'll get higher education levels just based on that. Tijuana really only exists because it's a port city, or no, Ensenada is a port, but it's like a land port or crossing city. Other than that, really, it's the far extreme of the Mexican Republic, and it's so far away from where I'm at in the capital that uh, it really wouldn't exist unless if San Diego wasn't right there, the U.S. border wasn't right there. Like, there's a lot nicer parts of Mexico than Tijuana, let's say. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for it's a cool city. I, I do like TJ. Like I've got friends from TJ coming down this week. They're they're like the Californians in Mexico. They are chill people. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. But Monterey's number one on the list. All right, cool. Yeah, be, be, hit me up on Instagram too, and then um, I'll shoot you my personal IG and let me know when you come down. We can talk more about Mexico stuff because there's there's a whole network of guys down here. I I know I see there's a girl in your photo. I don't know if that's your your girlfriend or not. But if you're into the game stuff, every city has like their own little game network, and we all go out and hang out and kind of show each other the ropes best practices and you know we have our own little expat communities very niche communities a lot of expats you'll find are complete fucking weirdos but uh there are there are there are little niche groups too and we all kind of run together so feel free to hit me up if you have any questions all right thanks a lot all right yeah take care pleasure all right guys i think i think we're coming to a logical conclusion here any last thoughts or if not i can go ahead and close it on up yeah uh, Oh, yeah. All right, now, oh, now you're jumping in after yeah, we talk yeah. Mexico stuff. Yeah, I think this is a really great, um, really great combo. I'm still going through it, but once my thing's done, I'll have a load more of uh, content to uh, talk about. But, uh, we should really do this again. We should uh, do uh, another podcast on this topic. But that's, uh, that's basically all I got. Uh, it was a pleasure talking and meeting you guys. And, uh, we should chop it up again. Hold on, we have more people. Let, let let's just let's see where this goes. All right. <laughs> Love Trump twenty twenty four. How are you doing? What brings you up here? Questions, comments, shit talking. What, what can I do you for, sir? I <laughs> uh, can't let my buddy in. Jim Dog Trucks. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Hello. Thanks. All right, cool. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have the floor. It's all you. Yeah, I got. Uh, divorce when I was 29. This sucks. <laughs> yep. It's quite terrible. Alrighty, cool. Love Trump. I have a question. Yeah, what's the question? Do you guys watch Family Guy? Sure do. Actually, we were just talking about that at the gym earlier today. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, that's my favorite show. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He even dresses up like him every day. Because <laughs> look at his profile picture. That is quite amazing. All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap this show. I, I knew that was going to go nowhere, but, you know, it's kind of 
it's kind of like when you deal with women and they bring bullshit up. You're like, oh, let's, <laughs> let, let's, you get to the point where you're like, let's entertain it, but uh, you can see the patience, the patience runs out really quick. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad I could, make, I'm glad I could make those guys' days. Yeah. I remember when I was like back in the '90s, when I was 12 years old, we used to do prank calls, and we thought it was the funniest shit ever. So I figured we we harassed a lot of people in my neighborhood, and, you know, in my little, in my hometown. It's you know, at some point, it's it's my turn. So there, there we go. I'm glad they they got their jollies off. I on just want uh, yeah, no, me last point. Yeah, just the last uh, uh want to pitch it last thing. Uh, guys, if you are if you are young and thinking like, hey, this is a one I guess like I mean like early twenties, I wouldn't even recommend like the thinking about getting married in twenties. Uh, start thinking like a, start thinking like at late late twenties and start like a wedding in early thirties. And uh, if you are a young guy and thinking about like it will be a bad idea or your your life gonna be suck or what's gonna happen, nothing will happen. Your life will get more better instead of just thinking if you not pull the trigger. If you want to unplug it, guys, do it because rather be living miserable, it will be a little bit pain, but you will overcome it. And uh, just like me, you will learn a lot because right now, if you are still thinking and it be, like it's going to be a good or bad idea, it is a good idea. So it's good for you and good for her as well. Nomi, you want to try pitching the group? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little uh, ticker down there? Yeah. yeah let's I'm let you go. I always do hey, it. Guys, so. uh, hey, guys. Uh, I'm also a part of the Men of Now group. It's been a month, and there's a incredible stuff is happening here uh, in this group, and I've been learning a lot. And here here I come, man. <laughs> they also, like, I, I've never been, like, kind of had an opportunity to, uh, to you know, people push myself, and they push me, and, uh, man, I'm right here. So, uh, if you guys looking for a like-minded community, uh, join the link, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you. Good pitch, good plug. You're a lot smoother than I am, or a lot, a lot quicker. I go into it sometimes. <laughs> uh, J- James, you have any last words before we bring it on home? Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, Whoa. Oh so, like, uh, guys, if you know you you want to level up, join this. Group. Don't have kids. Yeah, don't have kids. Uh, Pull out. More importantly, don't get married. <laughs> no. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I would uh, enjoy. I, I would uh, encourage you guys to join the group. And uh, hey, thanks. Thanks for um, uh, joining our chat for today. Have All a right, good guys. One. Yeah. Yeah, if we're yeah, still we're- on here, I, I know this ran long. I appreciate you staying by. We had some momentum going. Wanted to get through all the Q&As again. As Nomi yeah. mentioned, join the Men of Now group. That is for guys looking to level up in all areas of love and life. I've been lives worth living and loving. It's a low monthly option. So get in at the rate. It will progressively go up as we get more members in there. But once you get in today, you're locked in at that rate. So if you come in for 30 days and then go off and develop other areas of life and decide to come back, guess what? We will still respect today's rate. So do it sooner rather than later. And then a cool function of the group too is that also if you refer people to the group, you get 50% commissions on their monthly recurring revenue. And we all are helping each other level up in our business lives. So we're creating courses and digital products. And we have someone acquiring a marketing agency and another guy that's launching a real estate agency and another guy's doing uh, insurance claims adjusting. So we're all kind of leveraging each other's talents and strengths there. And when we start offering products or services, we offer handsome commission packages to people that help grow the businesses of the individual members of the group. So yes, it's a private community like others you may have been a part of, but it's much more we're growing an international just network of men. And to be honest, a lot of us aren't quite at that 
uh, level of entrepreneurship to where we're, we're the ballers, we're the kingmakers yet. But we're starting at the bottom level. We're all getting up there. And if you're in that same place, feel free to join us. And we'd love to go on this journey together. And then, guys, if you are still watching and you have been faithful for the two hours and almost 20 minutes of this stream and want to take your dating life to the next level, well, I launched my digital seduction system recently. You might be asking, well, I'm not really into online game. Guess what? In the 21st century, you will be doing online game at some point because everything is digitally mediated. Even if you do day game, night game, social game, referral game, at some point you will be texting. At some point you have to understand how these two phones between you and your soon to be fucking everything girl for the future is going to impact a relationship. Get that all today in the digital seduction system. Uh, the link below will take you right there. And that course will be kicking off here in the next couple of weeks, just in time for the new year, new you. So that being said, I want to thank you all for stopping on by. Whatever channel you're watching this on, we syndicate these. Be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, refer to any friends, refer anyone to our community, reach out to any of us on Instagram who have been on the panel in today's show and uh, take the conversation a step further. That's what we're all here for. Until next time, uh, know me, James. I want to thank you all for stopping on by. And then, ladies and gentlemen, we shall do you all farewell. Good luck, guy. Watch out. Take it easy.